you you can think that all you want, but like not everything needs to be shared the moment that it enters your brain. That's so true, Queen. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Hope that everybody's January is treating them well. Yes. Are you doing try January? Are you pursuing a new hobby perhaps? Mm. I think I mentioned it in the in one of the December episodes. It's like I'm trying to get on my money. Like oh, I'm yes. trying to like budget. <laughs> yeah. So I bought a Hobonichi. What is that? It's just a type of planner, oh. but it's like gone very viral and stuff. And I was watching people use it. And usually I'm like a big planner gal, but like physically like bigger, like it's like bo- a book. And this is a skinnier one. So I'm like, I'm just going to track my expenses and like my spending habits. But other than that, honestly, like the only thing I want to do is just not even in like a really like serious intense way i just want to like start working out again like exercising and being more physical but Mm, i feel that i feel that yeah yeah one thing i've been considering lately is getting into like very chill very low stakes not going super high intense but like yeah i could do some at-home pilates like 20 minutes blog pilates exactly like nothing crazy i'm not I'm not going to Chloe Tang or anything, but <laughs> keeping it very chill, 20 minutes. I'm like, I could do that. No, absolutely. Um, I've not started, but I could, and I'm hoping that I will. Yeah. you Listen, at everyone's own pace, like mm-hmm. the best way to make changes in your life is to start little by little. And also, I will say the, the most like um, fit I've ever been was just doing – I did it every day because it was during mm-hmm. the pandemic. So I was like unemployed, but I would do like 30 minutes of hit exercises just like Monday through Friday. And I was like in really, really good shape because it was just like super intense, but only for 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. I was doing it frequently. So like honestly, 20 minutes a day or even a couple days a week, like starting out. Yeah. It's going to make like a huge difference. Like, you'll just feel more energized and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, my job is very physically intense. Like, I am running around like a crazy person and I have long shifts. Like, I'm there for 10, 11, sometimes 12 hours depending on the day. Oh, my gosh. And I'm moving the whole time. So that's fine. But on my days off, then I just, like, want to do nothing. And I'm like, this is not a good balance. I heard of that. So, yeah, I just want to sprinkle in a couple things just to keep – Keep my body moving. Keep myself active. Hell yeah. If nothing else, I totally agree because I just want to feel like not tired all the time. Yeah. So. For sure. For sure. Um, wow. Anyways. Lovely, lovely <laughs> wellness check. Uh, yeah. How's everybody's new year going? Hopefully uh, you're feeling ready to take on 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we should just start talking about today's movie because – it's a long one. It is two it is hours long. <laughs> yeah, it's like actual runtime, two hours, nine minutes. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. I've heard of this movie so many times. Like I've heard it referenced a lot, especially because mm-hmm. we went to college in 2014. Yeah. So I, I guess that was like six, five, oh my God, five years <laughs> after. But it 
was still like I remember doing a side from this movie. Oh my gosh, which one? What which character? Gigi. Mm. And I don't know if it was me though. It might have been someone in my class, but it was Gigi and Alex. Yeah. When he is like, I don't like you like that. And like mm. after the party. Yeah. But I have seen at least parts of this movie and maybe I wasn't paying attention because there were key moments that I was like, I've seen this before. Yeah. But I had never sat down and saw the whole thing. Wait, should we say the title? Oh, yeah, I guess we should. Uh, t- <laughs> today we're doing <laughs> 2009's He's Just Not That Into You. It was initially a self-help book that was published in 2004. And the way that it came to be was uh, Greg Berent. I actually don't know how to pronounce his last name. Berent. Berent. Yeah. Yeah. So he was one of the writers on Sex and the City back in the day. Oh. And he was talking to one of the fellow writers and she was talking about this guy that she went on a date with and she like invited him up, but he said no. And she was confused by that. Like, oh, do you think he still likes me? And Greg just kind of looked at her and was like, no (laughs) and she was like well he he had to work the next day he's like i don't care if he was fucking fixing a rocket ship to go to the moon the next day like if you (laughs) like a girl you're going upstairs that's that kind of thing and then they ended up writing an episode about that so there's this whole episode where miranda goes out with a guy he doesn't come back up and one of my least favorite of carrie's boyfriends jack Berger, uh he tells her in his honest, like, straight man opinion, he's just not that into you. Like, if if a guy likes you, he's going to call. If a guy likes you, he's coming up. If he's not doing those things, he just doesn't like you. Yeah. And that's that. And it was, like, a very revolutionary idea for Miranda, and she started adopting it into her life. And um, basically, like, the kind of caveat at the end of the episode is she goes on a date with this guy, and she invites him up, and he says no. Mm-hmm. and she's like all right got it like you're just not into me he's like no no i am she's like we don't need to do this whole dance like i get it you're just not that into me and he just goes i have diarrhea and then walks away and that was why oh. he didn't go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was where you know this whole idea started and then he wrote it like turned it into a full self-help book with uh liz tuchillo so that's how it all came to be and then it was adapted into this movie which then goes to contradict everything in the book Mm. yeah the movie was yeah we'll get into it it had some twists and turns that i was like okay yeah for sure for sure but before we do uh shall we talk numbers absolutely um this is a finance podcast at the end of the day absolutely and we (laughs) we've analyzed now the budget for the film that's actually a really low budget is that true yeah what the hell (laughs) so the budget for the film was 40 million dollars which i mean did they all do it pro bono (laughs) like that's insane right because you have like bradley cooper jennifer connelly jennifer aniston ben affleck yeah ben affleck very odd but anyways they topped the box office at $178.9 million, so great return. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 41% from critics based off of 169 reviews. So 
it seems like it did well in the box office, but it was more of like a middle of the road movie, which like for, for sure that makes sense. Yeah, the movie was not very well received. Pretty mixed to average to negative sort of reviews. Yeah. Um, a lot of them just talk about how, which I agree with, like the movie is not well balanced because there's so many characters that uh, they didn't really take the time to develop any of them. So they come across as pretty one dimensional. Obviously, we have some pretty sexist uh, depictions of women in this movie, Mm -hmm. and it feels very like, women be crazy, all they care about is getting married and buying shoes. Like, it's very much that kind of vibe, which is unfortunate, because I think that the concept of the movie, like, I think the concept of the self-help book is really interesting. Yeah. But they fell, they stumbled on the execution. Yeah, I think... There are some parts that, like, actually go over well, and Mm -hmm. some parts it's, like, you lost the plot. Yeah. But it's interesting because the screenplay was by Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein. Mm -hmm. So there was, like, a female perspective, a male perspective. Yeah. Abby Cohn also wrote Never Been Kissed, Mm. Valentine's Day. (laughs) Oh, God. Some questionable moments in there. But, you know, a rom-com vet in her own right. Yeah. Obviously, this movie is sort of like, you know, the Avengers of rom-coms. We have so many big stars in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Goodwin, Jennifer Connelly, Drew Barrymore, who is also a producer. Just so many people. Bradley Cooper. So because they had so many big names, they kind of had to like shoot around everybody's schedules. So they went by character. So they shot all of Jennifer Aniston's scenes first, actually. And I think her and Jennifer Connelly each have about like 20 to 25 minutes of screen time in the whole movie, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. I think Jennifer Aniston's plot was my favorite. Yeah, I like Jennifer Aniston's plot. I... Wish that so much time wasn't taken up with the Bradley Cooper, Scarlett Johansson, Jennifer Connelly bullshit, because I don't like that plot. Yeah. And I think that the Mary, like, side, side, side plot is completely irrelevant. Yeah. Could have done without it. I could have just watched the movie with just Gigi and Alex. Yeah, like, that seems like a rom-com on its <laughs> That's own. A movie. I mean, it obviously yeah. was kind of like the main storyline. And could have easily been fleshed out into, like, just a 90-minute movie. But that is definitely, like, the storyline that most contradicts what the book (laughs) is trying to tell you. Um, There's this podcast called Girls Gotta Eat. And they interviewed uh, the author, Greg, a few years ago. And, yeah, and talking about the adaptation of his book, he's like, yeah, no, like, that whole storyline completely contradicts, like, everything that I wrote if it were up to me, how it should have ended is like, you know, he goes, he makes his big speech, then she should have said, okay, that's all good and well, say that again every day for a year, and then I'll consider giving you another shot. Mm. I was like, damn, talk your shit, Greg. So yeah, he himself is not like a super big fan of interesting the central storyline. He's like, yeah, no, it's just, it's it's fine, but it's just not what I wrote about. So yeah, yeah. And the last little tidbit we have is that the screenwriters were both very happy with how the movie turned out, but Silverstein did get frustrated with how Gigi was received by critics and audiences. 
a lot of people were saying that Chi Chi was over the top and annoying and not likable. And he was like, yeah, there are not likable and annoying people in the world. That's the point. Yeah. You've worked in an office with that person who literally will only talk about the guy she's into or they're not into her. And that is true. Like yeah. I, I do feel I was so annoyed with her at, mm-hmm. at moments. But uh, that is very realistic. The only thing is usually people don't make the protagonist yes. that unlikable <laughs> without at least having some partially related – like having her personality be like relatable in some fashion. Yeah. I do feel that she is a little bit out of the realm of reality, like just beyond her character itself being delusional. Yeah. Everybody else feels pretty grounded. I mean, one dimensional, but at least in the same world, whereas Gigi is kind of operating on another level that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. But I do think there is something to be said for the fact that like female characters are always – expected and kind of demanded to be likable whereas there's not that pressure on if there's a movie where a man is the main character they're kind of like allowed to be unlikable yeah totally yeah and Gigi's character I feel like would be like you said for this world it would make sense on like new girl yeah it's just a different tone you know completely but we'll we'll get into that we'll get into that I do have one last thing to say before we start. Yeah. And it is that I have to bring up when I met Justin Long. Of course. Of course. When I was a hostess <laughs> at a Japanese restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he was, I guess, doing a play nearby because he came in a couple times for lunch. And <laughs> I was like freaking out. And I yeah. was like, I have to say something. Like I normally wouldn't like stop someone who's famous and be like, I need to tell you something mm-hmm. but um when he was leaving i just said justin or like i was maybe it's like <laughs> mr. Long. mr long i don't know what i said but i was like i just want to say i love your work thank like thank you or like whatever like thank you so much and he was like so nice oh. and was just like oh thank like thank you that means so much and literally like hugged me with one arm or like put it put an arm a hand on my shoulder or something like that like he was very very kind me gasping as if i haven't heard the story before because every time i'm just like oh my god (laughs) i haven't told it in a while so like when i remembered it whilst i was watching i was like oh my god i met that man yeah um wild that you saw both him and drew barrymore at the same restaurant but at different times ships in the night the two of them ships in the freaking (laughs) but i did wonder if he's if she saw his play maybe Mm. because it was very close together like I'm like maybe weeks apart wow. that I saw them. So who knows who's to say? Yeah. Well, before we get into it, uh, we just want to also remind you about Patreon because this month we are doing bow, 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 Enchanted. I was enchanted to meet you. James Marsden, I was so enchanted to meet you. Um, it was a great time. So if you want to hear us gush all about Himba Supreme, Prince Edward, about Amy Adams' truly groundbreaking performance, the McDreamy of it all, uh, definitely head over to Patreon. It is $5 a month. You get a bonus episode that is picked and voted for by the patrons. So definitely check it out. It's the people's bonus episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With that being said, I don't even know if I have a good one for this. Let's walk right down the aisle into it. Yeah, because apparently that's the only thing that us ladies could ever yeah, want. Yeah, that us women 
a lot to do. Yeah. So we open up with a little small baby version of Gigi Phillips in a playground making a sandcastle in the park when a little boy starts walking up to her and we hear Jennifer Goodwin's voiceover saying, a girl will never forget the first boy she likes, even if things don't quite work out. And the boy just straight up like pushes her over on the ground. (laughs) It's like poo. You smell like dog poo. You're dog poo. (laughs) That's pretty much exactly what happens. He calls her stupid, says she smells like dog poo. So she cries and tells her mom, and this is where it all starts. And her mom is literally insane. (laughs) Yeah. Her mom says, oh, sweetie, do you know why that little boy did that? It's because he likes you. Bad answer. This is where it all fucking begins. And Jennifer Goodwin says, and there it is. That's the beginning of our problem. We're all programmed to believe that if a guy acts like a total jerk, it means he likes you. Ain't that the truth, sister? If I had a penny for every time someone like I well, someone told me or I overheard someone saying to someone else, like, oh, it's just that he he loves you too much, or like he doesn't know what to do with his feelings for you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh the gaslighting that we do to ourselves and others. Yeah. So we get a montage. There's a girl crying into her cosmo, and her friends gaslight her, and he they're like he likes you too much. You're too pretty, too awesome. You know, he can't handle it. Another friend gaslighting her friend, waiting by the phone. And she's like, oh, the problem is he just lost your number. He's not asking you out because he's scared of your emotional security. He's just getting out of a serious relationship. It's because he never had a serious (laughs) relationship. And Gigi is like, why do we say this to each other? Is it because we're just scared to say the obvious truth that's staring everyone in the face? He's just not that into you. (laughs) The title. Whoa. Whoa. So we then see Gigi all grown up. She is on a date with Connor Barry, a real estate agent. You know, they're joking around about him having headshots on benches. It's not, you know, the most romantic spark you've ever seen, but they're having a nice time. She then is like, oh, I wonder why Janine never thought to set us up before. And the server asks if they want another round. And Gigi, like, totally defers to Connor. She's like, oh, it's up to you. Like, if you have somewhere to be, I don't know. Like, if you're... He kind of takes a moment. He's like, yeah, sure, sure. We'll get another drink. And at the end of the night, she says she had a really nice time. And Connor says, it was nice meeting you. And he gives her a kiss on the cheek. And if that isn't the kiss of death, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't really ever say just or just say it was nice meeting you and nothing else if you want to see the person again. Yeah. You would at least tack on a let's do this again sometime. Like I had a really great time. Maybe I'll like maybe we could talk about meeting each other next. Any indication of a continuation. Yeah. But as they walk away, Gigi notices Connor pulling out his phone to make a call. So she calls her friend Janine and is like, wow, he's cute. The date went really well. And I'm pretty sure that he's leaving me a message at home as we speak. Eh. Eh. Connor's calling Scarlett (laughs) Johansson. (laughs) 
And if that wouldn't literally mortify me. Obliterate any shred of self-esteem that I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, hey, what's up? I was just thinking about you. Wanted to see if you wanted to grab a late bite. Crazy. Yeah. So I'm going to get into it. But what I will say about Gigi Mm -hmm. in this, you know, fictional movie is just that something that I feel like turned her off to me is that she's so interested in finding her soulmate and like finding this boyfriend figure. But Mm -hmm. like she could not be herself on any of her dates. Yeah. She was so obsessed with like figuring out what a guy means and like getting him to to go on a second date and like – acting just like so uncomfortable yeah (laughs) like she couldn't put her best foot forward no i didn't really find myself necessarily getting annoyed with her as much as i found myself just feeling secondhand embarrassment oh yeah not only for her but even for myself not like obviously i've never this isn't a real person (laughs) like people don't actually act like this woman but you know we can all see moments of ourselves in Gigi when we've maybe been a little bit delusional. Yeah. Where we've maybe (laughs) settled for some breadcrumbing where, you know, and seeing that in another character and recognizing times where I've done that is not a fun thing, obviously, which I think definitely adds to the reason why so many people despise this character because we see things in her that we hate about ourselves. Totally. But yeah, I just find myself feeling so embarrassed for her. Poor gal. So we change completely who we're following and we see Scarlett Johansson playing Anna. She's in a grocery store, gets a call. She hesitantly picks up and she's like, oh, I'm really burnt out. Meanwhile, in front of her, in line to pay, is Mr. Bradley Cooper, Mm -hmm. aka Ben. And he's like, oh, why don't you go in front of me like you just have a couple of things. I'm I'm mulling over whether or not to buy gum. <laughs> so Anna goes in front of her, pays for her stuff, and the cashier informs her that she's their one thousandth customer this month, which means she gets a mini cooler. Wow. And Anna is beyond beside herself. Yeah. She's like, Oh my god, I've never won anything. She's like, Ah, are you kidding? <laughs> like This is a plastic cooler. (laughs) Like, this is from the dollar store. What? Yeah. So it's very exciting, and she gives Ben a big hug. And he's like... (laughs) I'm hard. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's, like, inappropriate. (laughs) Don't worry. I'll say it for you. (laughs) Yeah, instantly in trance. I also forgot just how tan he is in this movie. (laughs) He's also, like, very scrawny. Like, when I see his chicken legs when he gets home from the gym, I'm like, are you okay? Yeah, he's – Stop with the cardio. He's very lean in this movie. But, yeah, his his tan is – He was just on Survivor <laughs> in this movie. He does wear a lot of tank tops, I will say, in this movie. But, um, yeah, he's so orange. And I think it's really accentuated by how light his hair is as well. Like the contrast is off between his hair and his skin that it really throws me. He also has um, bleached tips. Absolutely. He does. Absolutely. The weird spiky hairstyle, which, you know, very in in 2009, I will say. But 
it was a look. They really did not do Bradley Cooper a lot of favors in this film. No. So we go back to Connor. Uh, he gets home where his friend Alex, a.k.a. King Justin Long, is chilling uh. on his couch watching hockey. And he's like, oh, how was the date? And he's like, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> but what he's more concerned about is how Anna gave him the whole, you know, I'll call you right back thing 22 minutes ago. And he still wow. hasn't heard back. Like, should he call her back? And Alex is like, no, don't do that. Connor's <laughs> like, you know what? You, you, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call her and say that I'm going to bed. And Justin Long is like, it's 9.30 p.m., my guy. And he's like, no, no, it's a, it's a great idea. I'll call her and be like, in case you were thinking about calling me, don't. Because I'm going to bed. <laughs> Oh, dear Connor. Yeah. I actually, again, I I once again saw myself in this guy, Connor, um, the mm-hmm. amount of times that I've allowed myself to be breadcrumbed. It's a rough situation to be in. The worst, worst feeling that I can still remember vividly from like, you know, being single slash like dating is someone telling me they're going to meet me mm-hmm. at a certain time or being like, I'll text you tonight or call you tonight and not getting that or not like either blowing me off or not calling or not texting and just like waiting around for it yeah. and having it not happen is like demoralizing. Oh, for sure. Especially when you've like gotten ready. Oh. Put on a stitch of makeup, showered, shaved, any of it. In infuriating it's me is having war flashbacks just thinking about it yeah (laughs) that scene in white tricks where um that i forget her name but she's like gorgeous brunette and she's in the changing room and Mm. she's like look at this like tubby mclard like just like going to town on herself Mm -hmm. i'm like that's how i feel (laughs) when when i'm waiting around and like no one's there and Mm -hmm. i'm like this is the end. Oh, no, yeah. It's it's a crippling feeling for sure. Yeah. <sighs> so Anna and Ben are talking in the grocery store parking lot, and she ignores Connor's call, could not be bothered. Mm-hmm. They go back to talking about, like, being afraid of never pursuing their dreams, and Ben is like – you know, I may be able to help with yours. There's a guy in my office who deals with music clients. And I'm like – stop yeah first of all stop but anna is very excited she writes down her number for him ben is watching her like like she he could hump her leg at any moment yeah and then he tells her that he's married and he doesn't do this and she's like what you don't help struggling singers and he's like not hot yoga instructing singers who are incredibly charming mm-hmm Done. Yeah. I'm 27. If you call me hot, you're done. Grow up. Yeah. Get a job. Get a job. Yeah. So. Also, if I found out that my boyfriend said this to a woman, um, you'd find a body in the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's – he's scumbag from the the get-go. Yeah. Scumbag McGee. Yeah. So – She smiles and says he could give her his card. That's legit, right? And he agrees. And they're like, nice to meet you. Part ways. Ben finally gets into the car where Ben Affleck 
aka Neil, has just been <laughs> waiting this whole time. Like he's just sitting there because all Ben was buying was like a six pack of beer. Right. And Neil's just sitting there while he's having like a 30 minute conversation with this woman outside the grocery store. About their hopes and dreams. Yeah. <laughs> and he says that that she's a prospective client and Neil's like, uh, and he's like, what? I can't talk to a woman? Like, it's not like that. It's exactly like that. It's exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. And Neil knows. But no, people who are married can talk to a woman. You can't talk yeah. to a woman. Because the way that you talk to women, you're not talking to a friend. No. Yeah. And also, like, Anna was keeping it profesh. He's the one who took it there. He's he the took one it there, who was for like, sure. I don't do this. Like, I'm married. You could have just been like, here's my card. I will, like, call you with a list of contacts. Kept it at that. But he was like, I can't talk to a hot yoga teacher. Yeah, I can't talk to... <laughs> A big titty goth girl. <laughs> I will say, obviously, like, Scarlett Johansson, stunning, beautiful woman, always has been, always will be. Of course. But every time I watch this movie, I'm just like, wow, she really is that beautiful. Like, it's kind of crazy that she looks like that. Right, especially with, like, the blonde hair and yeah. they make her, like, a yoga teacher and just, yeah. Yeah. So after hanging out with uh, scumbag Ben, Neil goes home. And that's where he sees his girlfriend, Beth, a.k.a. Jennifer Aniston. And he asks how her night was. And she says, oh, good. I just got off the phone with my little sister. She's getting married. And instantly we know that this is a bit of a sore spot between the two of them. Yeah. We gather the information that Beth wants to get married, but Neil just doesn't believe in the institution of marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says that people who get married are not to be trusted because if they're so legitimately happy, then they wouldn't need to broadcast it. You know, they're insecure and they lie to themselves and to others. And I'm like, I think you're just thinking a little too much about it. See, this excuse was allowed. Okay. In 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court legalized gay marriage in all 50 states. Mm -hmm. The point is before – it was legalized in 2015. A lot of like famous couples were like, I'm not getting married until like gay people can get married. So that was like an excuse that people could use (laughs) in a way. Right. But yeah, he doesn't really have a leg to stand on. No. And I'm like, I get it. If you don't put stock in marriage, that's fine. Not every, it's not for everybody. Not everybody has to do it. But then what does it matter? That's my thing. Because like, my boyfriend, for example, is always like, yeah, like, I never really cared about getting married. It's not something that I ever, like, needed to do. But, like, if you want to do that, that's fine. Like, I don't care. Like, we can. <laughs> like, I literally won't give a fuck. <laughs> like, and he's not, like, one of those people that's like, I don't I don't want to get the government involved. You know, like, <laughs> those people. <laughs> I'm like, if it doesn't matter to you, but it's something that your partner wants, then just you can just do it because if it it's not me- necessarily meaningful to you but it is to them and if you say you're so committed already then what's the issue i don't know that's just my view on it but heard of that yeah he then goes on about it and literally says like you know you have friends that you've been friends with for 10 years but you don't go down to city hall and get the government involved and get a friendship certificate I'm like, is that real? Because I would do that. Yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. If I could get a <laughs> certified friendship certificate, absolutely. 
Um, another thing to think about with marriage, like if you do have a partner that you're committed to and it's a lifelong commitment, logistically, there are a lot of things that are just easier if you are married. Like for example, God forbid something happens to your partner and they're in the hospital. If you're not married, you can't visit, you can't go in and like be there with them. You can't find out any medical information about them. You can't have like, mm-hmm. unless they make you, I guess, your power of attorney or something, but like you can't have a say in those medical decisions. So there's other things like That's that. That's crazy. That if yeah. you are, you know, in a committed relationship that are just easier if you are married. Totally. But anyways. So he's like, you know, we're happy. I love you. I'm committed to you. Why can't we just be happy as we are? As we are? And Beth's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And he gets up. But like, clearly, the face is telling a different story. She really does want to get married. Yeah. So we go to this very cute – I don't know if it what it's called in Baltimore, if it's still considered a brownstone or if it's or like, like a some, townhouse maybe. Yeah, it's like a townhouse. It's a really cute townhouse. And this is Janine, a.k.a. Jennifer Connolly's new spot. Okay. Gigi is at their house and it's mid-renovation. Connor still hasn't called her. But, of course, Janine, trying to be a good friend, she's like, you know, after Ben and I went out for the first time, he didn't call me for 11 days, and now he is the world's best husband. And that happens all the time. And Christina's note is, girl, I, dash. (laughs) And, like, exactly. Yeah. So Gigi blames Janine for this because she set them up. And Janine is like, okay, this is not a setup. I just gave Connor your number. Like, all I know about him is that he sold us his house. So I guess they're not really friends. They're just acquaintances. It does kind of, like, point to the fact that Gigi does have a a tendency to kind of aggrandize or or romanticize situations being like, wow, like, why didn't Janine think to set us up before? And she's like, I barely know him. Like, it's... But in her right. head, she's built on this thing like, oh, my good friend. And, like, she thought we would be perfect. At, like, she's crafted this kind of whole <laughs> – she's as uh, she's in the words of, Yeah, in the words of Jared Freed, she's done a lot of, like, emotional masturbation where she's, like, <laughs> built up this thing in her head. And I'm like, we've all, we've all done it, but – I've so done that. I've damn. so done that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that was for, you know, early 20s, Mo. Mm-hmm. And now you know, we're we're in our late twenties. Yeah. We're we're staying grounded in reality. <laughs> yes. We're we we're good though. We're we're firmly, you know, realistic. Yeah. So where were we? Anyways, so Gigi <laughs> is blaming Janine for the setup, yada yada. Gigi just keeps checking her phone and says he mentioned he always hangs out after work at the city supper club like maybe i should stop by and janine is like please don't do that he'll call yeah i have done something like this before unfortunately oh no (laughs) it was only once really but like in my defense i was planning on going to the park that day anyways Mm -hmm. it just so happens that somebody that i was interested in Posted a I remember this a Facebook status that tells you how long ago this was, um, saying like, "Hey, I'm gonna be at the park like at this time doing like a pickup like ultimate frisbee game or something." 
if anyone wants to join, like, this is where it's going to be and put like a map. And I was like, hmm, I was already going to be in Prospect Park that day. And I literally went and I set up my blanket like adjacent to where they were playing and just pretended not to see him the whole time until he came Did up. Did you talk to him? And then he came up okay, to me. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> he saw me. He was like, hey. I was like, oh my God, hey, what's up? Like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I was just playing. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't, re- didn't even realize. <laughs> like a crazy person. Um, yeah. But I was like, I was like, I just need one chance encounter to kind of set the stage to then be like, hey, we should like yeah. grab a drink and catch up sometime. Um, and it did work. So sometimes being crazy pays off is all I'm saying. <laughs> no, I I agree. Yeah. I agree. Sometimes it does. Yeah. Uh I have so many stories. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> So yeah, then to cap off that scene, we have kind of our first of many title cards, which are references to chapters in the book where it's like, if he's not calling you, if he's not sleeping with you, if he's not committing to you, he's just not that into you, you know? Uh, So we see if he's not calling you and then this interlude with a woman who kind of rants about how caller id is so awful because now she can't call a guy and like hang up as many times as she wants if he's not calling her back sort of thing uh this also kind of reminded me of early episodes of sex in the city used to do this in season one the interviews yeah uh, as well as in when harry met sally like you know how we had those like couple interviews interspersed yeah. reminded me of those which was like nice like very classic rom-com yeah they love that in like 90s early 2000s having little interview interludes Mm -hmm. um this comedian is natasha leggero and she's very funny Mm. in my opinion beautiful so we then go back to good old jeej uh she picks up the phone thinking that's connor it is her mother so she promptly hangs up on her (laughs) uh we also see her doing yoga like leaving her phone open just in case he calls Uh, She does another debrief with Janine, telling her all the signs that Connor gave that he was interested. And she does really dial in on the most minute things, which I think we can all easily do, where she's like, he remembered my drink order. Like, he's the one who wanted to do another round. He kissed me on the cheek. But when Janine hears that Connor said, nice meeting you at the end of the date, she's like, yeah, like that could could be a blow off. Beth then gets involved. They all work together at this like – spice company yeah it's very like strange doing, writing copy for the spice yeah company. about like cinnamon and nutmeg it's very weird it seems like nobody does any work at this company yeah again it's just another instance where these women are just reduced to like their romantic obsessions and we don't get any sort of development on any other even interests that they have no development on what their career is. The only reason we know that they work at the spice company is because once or twice they're like, I got to work on the cinnamon copy. <laughs> sure. So silly. Yeah. But Beth chimes in and she says that after her first date with Neil, she called him. Like, why wait for a guy to get off his ass? So Gigi decides to call Connor and is thrilled when she gets his voicemail because that means she can just read her little pre-written script She's a writer after yeah. <laughs> And she says, hey, Connor, it's Gigi. I just thought I haven't heard from you. And hey, how stupid is it that a gal's got to wait for a guy's call anyway, right? 
<laughs> this is very like Rory Gilmore coded. Yeah, it's like I just felt so embarrassed. <laughs> but then like she can't read the next line of Janine's handwriting. So she just starts a riffing. Bad. Yeah, and she's like, I mean, you know, we're all equal, right? I mean, some would say even more, you know. I, I don't know if you if you saw that dateline, but women practically have penises now. And Janine is like, girl, <laughs> hang up. Hang up the phone. Put the phone down. So she's like, anyways, call me. This is Gigi, by the way. And Janine just looks at her and says, don't worry. He's totally going to call. And I'm like, Janine, mm. stop. Leave this poor girl alone. I don't know about all that. Yeah. So Gigi waits by the phone. She calls Janine and says, I still haven't heard from Connor. I'm going to the city supper club. Stop me now if you think it's a bad idea. And like, obviously, Janine doesn't pick up because she's not at her phone. Yeah. And so she's like, okay, I'm going. Oh, boy. So we go to the city supper club. A restaurant bar here in Baltimore. Also, I think it's cool that they picked Baltimore. It's like not a city that you mm-hmm. really see a lot in rom-coms. It's always like New York, LA. But Busy Phillips, aka Kelly Ann, the host, goes into Alex's office. I assume he's manager or maybe owner. And she's like, oh, pretty crazy that we're both working the same shift. He's like, yeah, like I made the schedule she's like yeah i i thought it might not have been a coincidence she obviously like thinks that it's on purpose it's insinuated that they hooked up the other night and she suggests that they hang out after work but alex says hey like the other night was fun but the only reason that we're both scheduled tonight is because we're really understaffed like i even have to work the bar he then sends kellyanne on her way back to work and he also like calls her babe. He's like, hey, hey, babe, can you close the door, please? So very off-putting. Yeah, odd. Gigi goes to the bar and Alex takes her order. But like, she's like, oh, I'm meeting someone here. And I'm like, <sighs> that's a lie. Like, that's like a pathological yeah. lie. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, a hot date. And she's like, well, not exactly. It's this guy, Connor, you know, we've only been out once. And he's like, oh, you mean Connor Barry? Like, I know him. He's not coming in tonight. Did he forget he was supposed to meet you? Humiliating. Like, humiliating. Humiliating. Should, should I? This man picks, picks up the phone. Up the phone. <laughs> and she's like, no. <laughs> she's like, please, no. She goes, I was just in the area. Like, I figured I'd swing by, see if he was around because I had to return his pen. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I'll get it to him. Oh, it's a dentist office pen. Like, this isn't Connor's dentist. And she's like, oh, yeah, who is it? And he's like, my dad. <laughs> humiliating, humiliating, humiliating. I just cannot even fathom being in that. Like, I think I would have to pick up my stuff and run out. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, what I would do at that point. I saw a review that said that this movie is for sadists and masochists, and that's the only people who can enjoy it. I'm like, there is a lot of humiliation in it. A lot, a lot. And I mean, dating is humiliating. True. Because you have to put yourself out there mm-hmm. with people who might straight up dislike your personality. Yeah. Like, just not like your personality at all. Mm-hmm. And it's, ugh. 
For sure. Gross. So, of course, she's embarrassed. But good for Gigi, though, because she does have a thick skin. Yeah. And she just comes right out with it. And she goes, I went out with Connor last week. I thought if I just ran into him. And she gets up to leave. But Alex is like, no, hang out for a second. You know, I'm going to buy you a drink. Like, give me one moment. Yeah. If Alex – oh, my God. If Justin Long offered to buy me a drink – I'm done I, for. <laughs> I would I would probably have the same journey as Gigi. Oh, for sure. I would be just as – like, I really can't blame her. I would be just as delusional. Of course. But cut to the end of the night. They're closing up and Gigi is still there. And Alex is, like, leaning over the bar, hanging on her every word. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. Connor is never going to call you. It's just what guys do. It's been over a week. Like, you're shit out of luck. And Gigi wonders, maybe he called and she just didn't get the message. Or he lost her number. Or maybe he got, like, hit by a cab or something. Alex is like, yeah, all of that. Or he just doesn't want to see you again. Hmm. And then Gigi says, yeah, but I had this friend once who went out with a guy and he never called. And then over a year later, she ran into him and Alex just cuts her off and says, your friend is an idiot. And also she's the exception. And Gigi asks, what if she's the exception? But Alex says, you're not. In fact, you're the rule. Ooh. If a guy doesn't call you, he doesn't want to call you. Always. If a guy is treating you like he doesn't give a shit. He genuinely doesn't give a shit. No exceptions. Yikes. Which is a tough pill to swallow. Absolutely. But Gigi thanks him and says that he's given her a lot to think about. And while it is a tough pill to swallow, very liberating to be like, oh, I don't have to try and read into all these signals because he's not giving me any signals other than I don't care or I don't like you. Exactly. The precursor to if he wanted to, he would. It, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, if ladies, if he wanted to, he would. Yeah. The next morning, Gigi doesn't look like she got much sleep. None at all. <laughs> and there's a muffin in her hair. Mm-hmm. So she is looking uh, frazzle, razzled, frazzle, dazzled. And she tells her friends what she learned from Alex about the exception rule phenomenon. And Beth then says if she hears the story about a girl who's been with a guy for 13 years and he finally married her, that's the exception. But the rules are guys like Neil who are with girls like me for seven years and aren't ever getting married. And Janine and Gigi are like, no, 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 no. I I absolutely wasn't talking about you. I was talking, you know, about me specifically. And – her situation is so interesting mm-hmm. because I didn't expect it to end how it ends. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen this movie. Like, it's it, there's enough time. She does get proposed to. Right. And I didn't expect that because we also just don't see their relationship. So, like, I didn't know how much he loved her. Yeah. And when he when we see him with um, Bradley Cooper's character at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, they're both assholes. Right. Right? Because you just assume an asshole begets assholes. And also, like, no offense to Ben Affleck, but that's the vibe. Of course. (laughs) He's not, like, the the nerdy, like, oh, let me dote on you queen character. He's usually the asshole. My Letterboxd review for this movie from the last time I watched it was, you know things are grim when Ben Affleck is the best guy in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... 
After this little gal chat, we then have another gal chat with Anna and her friend Drew Barrymore, aka Mary, as they're getting pedicures. And she's talking about Ben and how like it's impossible not to like him. And he was flirting with her and it all lined up so magically. And then he says that he's married, but like she should be pissed. Yeah. But she just can't stop thinking about him. And then again, the gaslighting continues. Mary is like, you know, I heard this story about a guy who was married for 15 years to a really nice lady. And then one night he meets this woman at a church event and realized that he had met the one. So he got divorced and he's been with this other woman for 22 years and they're insanely happy. What if you meet the love of your life, but you're already married? Are you supposed to just let them pass you by? And Anna's like, you're right. I'm going to call him. I'm like, oh my God. So Anna decides to call Ben. And take him up on his offer to meet his contacts. You know, I would love to meet up for coffee or something. But Ben just pretty much blows her off. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't. Like, You seem great. I should go, but take care. Drawing a boundary that doesn't last. So it seems. But <laughs> an attempt at a boundary. Drew Barrymore, do not <laughs> tell your girl. No. So what if he's married? Because... This movie has a lot of shit wrong, but mm. the rule versus exception thing is very accurate. Yeah. Married men don't leave their wives. Bingo, bingo. Yeah. And I'm sure when it's happened, right? It's yeah. not impossible, but that's not the normal. And mm -hmm. I just cannot stress enough that men don't change. And I would say people, generally speaking, really don't change. Like if you're entering a relationship with someone and there are serious habits that you don't like about them, like they're a smoker or they're a heavy drinker or they are like horribly unclean, like in the household, like those aren't things that are just going to change overnight. Yeah. Like that's, that's not, that's not to say that they never can. Like obviously people can grow, but like fundamentally I think it's very hard to overcome being set in your ways when you're an adult because it's just the way that you've lived your whole life. So yeah, I think that a lot of fundamental things about people don't change. I think we grow. I think we learn, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, all that to say is just like, if you notice really big red flags, yeah, don't go into it being like, oh, we're going to overcome this together because it's probably out of your control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, maybe don't start something with somebody who's married. And if you're married, maybe don't start something with somebody that's not your spouse. <laughs> but maybe. Who, who am I to say? <laughs> so, so Anna goes over to Connor's place because she needs a little ego boost. Oh, it's so transparent. It's hard to watch. It's really difficult because he really likes her. Yeah. And at first when he went out with Gigi, I was like, oh, you're a dick. Like you're calling a girl immediately after going on a date. Mm -hmm. But he actually like wants to date her. Like yeah. he wants to be her one and only. For sure. So Anna goes over to Connor's. He <laughs> – this is like 
demoralizing. He's yeah. rubbing her feet. I'm like, brother, oh, stand up for yourself. Truly. And she tells him that there are four categories, smart, sexy, funny, and cute, but everyone can only be two things. And she's like, for example, like, you're smart and cute. And she's like, what am I? And he's like, you're sexy and cute. And she's like, no, those are in the same category. Like, nobody wants to be all in one column. Yeah, I too would be upset if somebody gave me two in the looks column. Yeah, but like, she is also like fishing really oh, hard for sure. right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but Connor is like, well, I really wanted to say all four. And I do, like, I, at this point, I'm like, you're rubbing her feet. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm sure you're telling the truth here. Yeah. And Anna just goes up and gives him, like, a big bear hug. And she's like, okay, I better go. Oh, <laughs> she's like, got my fill, got my ego boost. I'm Audi 3000. Yeah, thanks for the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Connor's like, oh, you can stay over if you want. She's like, no, no, I'm totally fried. And she gives him a kiss and heads out the door. And <sighs> – Connor is two inches tall. I really do feel for him, but you just, you got to walk away. She's breadcrumbing him or to, you know, use how I met your mother term. She's keeping him on the hook. Like it's just (laughs) brutal. Again, so much humiliation in this movie. (laughs) Absolutely. So we then go back to Beth and Neil. Let's not forget earlier in the day, Beth had this realization that Neil is like never going to marry her. So he's hanging a painting on the wall. And Beth asks why he's doing that. And he's like, well, you asked me to three weeks ago. I'm getting around to it. And she is like, no, just stop. I want you to stop doing anything nice for me unless you're going to marry me afterwards. She really is opening the can of worms and says that he can't keep being nice to her and she can't keep pretending that this is something that it's not. It's been seven years. Either he wants to marry her or he doesn't. And Neil is like, or maybe it's that I mean it when I say that I don't believe in marriage. But Beth immediately calls bullshit on that and says that men always say that. And then six months later, they're married to like some 24-year-old that they met at the gym. Yeah. Again, very Sex in the City coded with like Carrie and Mr. Big. Now he would never commit to her. And then they break up and suddenly he's marrying Natasha Najinsky, a 24-year-old who works at Calvin Klein. And she has to be like, why wasn't I the one? Um, which, again, devastating. So she says that she's been hiding this from him for five years because she hasn't wanted to seem demanding or clingy or anything like that. But she needs to know if he will ever marry her. And, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and Neil says nothing, which, of course, says everything. So Beth cries and says that she can't do this anymore. And honestly, she's the only one standing up for herself right yeah. now. So. And I think that this dynamic is interesting and it's a shame that we get so little of their storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, most of their screen time is them apart. And I don't know. I just think that with more development, this could have been interesting. I definitely agree. They were doing a lot in this movie. Yeah. It was better than – Valentine's Day, I will say. Definitely. Valentine's Day had way too many people and the plots were oh bad. Oh my God, so bad. So we go to another set of interviews um, where it says on the screen in the most Microsoft Office font, 
if he's not marrying you, and these two women, again, two comedians, talk about the sneaky ways that men break up with you without having to break up with you. Because they were like, and I look back at my relationships and I think that actually I was broken up with every single time. <laughs> like, but they made me think I was the one breaking up with them. Mm-hmm. And they would say, like, I don't want to stand in your way. You're perfect. I just have to work on myself. I'm just thinking of your happiness. I don't deserve you. I am so jealous of the guy who gets to marry you. And they're like, well, you could have been that guy. (laughs) That's what I was leaning towards. Yeah. This is like one of the best parts of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. One of the few times that I actually laughed also made me realize like, well, not just this didn't make me realize it, but it really emphasized it. How white this movie is especially being set in baltimore oh yeah like every single person in this cast is white oh yeah which is not a real reflection of baltimore maryland so we then go back to scumbag mcgee ben he is crossing that boundary that he drew in the sand and he calls anna himself and he's like hey i know it's been a while since you called so she's not followed up like she was respecting the space He's the one who broke it. He's like, yeah, I was just taken by surprise by your call, but Mm -hmm. I did offer to help you with your career and I want to follow through. So maybe you can come by the office sometime this week. So he hangs up and then gets spooked by his wife, Janine, coming in and she gives him a kiss and she's like, have you been smoking again? He's like, oh what no and she's like oh you just you get jumpy when you smoke but anyways but he promises that he's not smoking and we do see throughout this entire film how much this man just like lies with ease it's like oh second yeah second nature he doesn't sick. even think about it so i'm like props to you bradley cooper because it's like actually terrifying the way that you behave in this movie <laughs> he's pretty ill like mentally and I'll 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 touch on it yeah, later. Yeah. The the biggest thing that he lies about, I'm like, like it's it's flooring. Yeah. So they're sitting together and he's like, Yeah, I was just sitting here and picturing what this room is gonna look like when it's done. And they start talking about paint colors, and she's like, Yeah, I was thinking yellow, you know, it's neutral. It could be an office, it could be a guest room, a gym, a baby's room the real chestnut and (laughs) she's like i know i know we said that we'd wait to talk about it but ben is like you know what i think that we're almost ready to start talking about it i hate him i hate him the breadcrumbs that he's giving this woman hey wife i think we're almost ready i'm gonna i'll tell you when okay but we're almost ready yeah you're in your 30s but i'll tell you when we're almost ready, not that biological clock. To talk about it. Yeah. Not to have a no, baby, but to talk, just to talk about, about it. it. I'm like, leave this woman to have a fulfilled life without you. Because by God, the way you're treating her is enraging me. Gigi and Janine are out for some happy hour drinks. Gigi is chatting it up with some lawyer. When he like peeks at his watch, he's like, gotta head back to the office. And Gigi's like, oh, going back to work after happy hour. What's happy about that? Oh. And he says, <laughs> he says, I met you. 
Boo. And he's like, I'd love to call you and ask for her card. She hands it over and he gives her his card as well and says, look forward to hearing from you. And then this is when the crazy, (laughs) I don't know, like the crazy pheromones get released Mm. in Gigi's brain. And she runs up to him, like stops him from leaving. And is like, well, mm, like, let me ask you. Am I calling you? you? Are you calling me? Because you said you'd love to call, but then you said you're looking forward to hearing from me. And he's just like, yeah, we'll talk. We'll get we'll get in touch. And she's like, no, but see, like, that's vague. Let's just say you'll call me and we'll skip all the nonsense. And he's like, goodbye. Forever. Goodbye <laughs> like, forever. Good, goodbye, Gigi. Puts on a hat, steps on a plane. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you will never see my face again. Never. But Gigi's like, wow, that went so well. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Gigi should be in sales because mm-hmm. she doesn't get torn down easily. No, th- the thickest of skin, this one. So she rips up his card and she's like, I'm not calling him. If he wants to see me, he'll call. I'm like, true. Good. I like that move. I like where your head is at if in this moment. only you stuck to it. <laughs> exactly. So Janine says that guy Alex made an impression on her and asked if he was hot. And Gigi is like, no. Excuse me, Gigi. You're saying that Justin Long is not hot? He is the hottest guy with the palest skin that I've ever seen. <laughs> with the palest skin and the, the darkest hair and the, the most limp hair I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Does it look a little greasy most of the time? Absolutely. Yes. And I love him. Daddy, I love him. <laughs> like, oh my God. he's just everything. So the fact that she says no is like crazy to me. But again, we've established that she's a delusional character. So, oh yeah. So we then go back to Mary. She is going into work at the, I guess, like ad agency. Oh no, wait. I think she works for the newspaper because she works in ad sales. Oh, okay. yeah. It again, it's not clear what the jobs are. I did notice at the end of the movie that she's reading the blade, like the newspaper that she works at. So I went to look it up. The blade Maryland doesn't exist, but it's like based off of the blade, like the Washington blade, which was like an, it's an LGBTQ plus newspaper. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. So then I was like, Oh, that puts That's why everything all, all together. Of our coworkers are gay. Yeah, and she, and like, yeah. she puts them with the massage ads. I was like, got it. Um, Super important publication, you know, very groundbreaking. So the more you know. But anyways, she sits down at her desk and uh, a swarm of gay men surround her. And they immediately start interrogating her about her man who's not her man. One of the coworkers being Brian McBrien from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yes. That's where I knew him from. I was like, this guy looks so familiar. Yes. Yeah. It is Brian McBrien. Thrilled to see him (laughs) always. But she tells her BFFs that the guy asked her out and they're like, oh my God, he called? And she's like, no. And they're like, he texted? He emailed? And she says, MySpace. And they're like, oh, MySpace is the new booty call. That's not looking good. And Mary's like, what am I supposed to do? People don't meet each other organically anymore. And I'm like, if only you knew how much worse it was about to get. This is 2009. This is just the beginning. Mm. 
Mm-mm-mm. So she then gets a phone call from Connor and she's like, oh, what do you think about the ad that I placed for you in the paper? He's not super sure about it, but she's like, trust me, it's a burgeoning market. We see that she put his ad amongst the massage ads <laughs> and she's like, this page gets a lot of action. So I think you're going to be really happy with it. So we go to Beth who is being fitted for her bridesmaid dress for her sister's wedding. And she asks what the rush is to like get married so quickly. And her other sisters are like pregnant. Like, oh and she's like, no, I'm not. We're just in love. That's what people do when they're in love. They get married. <sighs> and Beth, like really awkward moment because Beth is right there. And her sister's like, not everyone gets married. And another sister's like, look at Al Pacino. Never been married. Happy as a clam. Isn't he married now? He's expecting like a child, isn't he? Oh my God. I think you're With right. With like a super young <laughs> woman. Like I think she's in her 20s. And like Al Pacino is in his 70s. Al Pacino. Are you ready for this? How old is he? He's 83 years old. I'm sick to my stomach. I don't – he must have frozen his sperm. I don't like, think so. Is he, How is that possible? Oh, they're not married. Just his girlfriend. But he, she's having his child. She had his baby already, I think, recently. Wow. So <laughs> – Dialing in. Dialing um, in. We're recording a, a podcast. Very awkward moment, but they say they just want her to be happy, and Beth jokes that – she should have rethought that coral, lol, because the, the dresses are a very bright pink. And the sisters start obsessing, and she assures them, you know, she's been through breakups before. She's going to be fine. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ben has invited Anna to his office, and he's looking through his messy, messy desk, a reflection of his mind, uh, for... <laughs> For the contacts that his coworker gave him for Anna. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. You can just call me when you find it. He's like, I promise I didn't lure you here under false pretenses. Yes, you did. You did, absolutely. And then Scarlett Johansson in her like gravelly, sexy voice just goes, a girl can dream. She's so annoying, yeah. though. <laughs> it's so cheesy, but he falls right for it, obviously. And she just looks at him. She goes, oh, you're just too good a guy. Why are you married again? And he laughs and she's like, no, like, I think it would honestly be good for me to know why you just can't live without this other woman. I don't like that. No, I don't like it at all. And he's like, and this I really don't like. His answer as to why he's married to the beautiful Jennifer Connolly is we'd been together since college and she gave me an ultimatum. So we got married. No. I love my wife. We've been mm -mm. together for this many years. We built a life together. Mm -mm. These are some things that I love about. No. He's like, I. it was either break up or get married. And then he goes on to prove himself to be even worse. And he's like, you know, it's complicated. You're a dick if you date a girl for too long and you don't marry her. And then you're an asshole for marrying her before you're ready. And I'm like, yeah, you are both of those things, actually. Yeah, you suck. And Anna, 
Anna just has those rose-colored glasses on and those red flags just look like flags. And she's staring at him with those bedroom eyes. And he walks to the other side of the room. He's like, you're really hot. And like, obviously, I'm attracted to you. But the best thing that I can do for you is help you with your career in some small way. It's inferior. Like, I hate watching these scenes. It's actually infuriating. Yeah. And they take up so much of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, they're nasty, like, little tete-a-tetes where he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's so hard being a good guy. Yeah. So back home, Janine goes to the construction site and she is looking for, like, tarps for the furniture when she finds a little aluminum ashtray and a carton of American spirit cigarettes. A disappointment. Meanwhile, another disappointment. Mm-hmm. Gigi has taped back together that man who clearly doesn't want to talk to her. Yeah, and I'm like, Gigi, you don't like him. Yeah, you don't like him. You just want somebody to like you. And I'm like, I get it. We've all been there. But like she's she's looking for the the title or the security or whatever, the fulfillment of a relationship but not actually looking for somebody who, like, she connects with or somebody that fits into her life. She's chasing that rather than, like, chasing the person, you know? Yeah. She's like, what's my next move? Call Alex. Calls Alex and asks his opinion on the happy hour guy. So he transfers the call to his office, and he's like, let me guess. He said the only thing happy about this happy hour is her. And he says if he gives you his phone number, instead of taking yours, he's not interested. If a guy wants to see you, he will see you. Yeah. And he tells her not to call him because he doesn't like her. So Gigi just re-rips the card. Yeah. So we then go to Connor's. Uh, Alex goes over and helps himself to a beer in the fridge when he sees Connor just like standing there in a tight purple t-shirt. And because it's (laughs) 2009, that obviously means that he's a homosexual. It is gay coded. Yeah, but the the rhetoric is bad. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. They're really hitting it hard. Connor then explains that he's trying to expand his client base by being more gay friendly. And they have like a funny little bit where it's like, oh, in real estate terms, gay adjacent. Ha ha. And Alex is like, well, you're wearing that and you're dating a girl who won't sleep with you. So you might be more adjacent than you think. (laughs) And Connor's like, I have slept with her. That's not the problem. And Alex is like, yeah, she just won't sleep with you anymore. We go to Anna, who is teaching a a yoga class, attended by Ben. Hmm. It's like all about them. It's like. Yeah, they're practically undressing each other in this yoga class. Mm hmm. And afterwards, he's like, well, uh, we ran into each other. And she's like, you literally called to ask if it was my class. Mm -hmm. And then Miss Anna is like, Shall we go for a swim? Yeah. So they go to the pool. They're swimming at the edge of the water. And Ben is like, you know what? Why why can't we be friends? Like, I'm allowed to have friends who are insanely hot. And I'm like, 
Stop it. Just like we get it. Who are smoking hot with a size double D uh, bra. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just so gross. Even just beyond like if you take out the fact that he is in a relationship, I'm like, that's just a gross way to talk to somebody. Yeah. Like be a little more creative than just being like, you're insanely hot and you got a fucking sick body. Like, yeah, what the hell? Tell a girl she's beautiful. What happened to that? classic standard like oh your your smile like lights up the room like he's just not endearing i don't find him charming no like i don't even know what she sees in him no me neither i don't get it but she's like yeah and this line i can't even deal with it so she's like yeah am i am i not supposed to be friends with a man just because he's married or because he has an insane smile or an ass that makes me want to dry hump who wrote that who the hell wrote that? I want illegal. Mark, was it you? Because I can't imagine that a woman wrote that line. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all props to you, Scarlett Johansson, for saying that line. For making it work. And making it like somewhat work. It doesn't look like you hated saying it. Which is honestly a feat. Astounding. Because I would yeah. never be able to deliver that line sincerely. But Ben laughs and he's like, oh, I think I just fell in love. And they like smile at each other and they're like, yeah, so we'll just be friends. And after shaking hands, Anna promptly stands up and takes off every article of clothing and jumps in the pool in front of him. (sighs) And she says, do you want to come in? And he obviously does, but he's like, I'm sorry, I just don't trust myself. She's like, that's okay. You can just watch. Uh, and then he's like, I think you may be the best friend I've ever had. And I don't get why she's doing this. I know. Like, do you on because they don't show them having chemistry. They just show them lusting for each other. Yeah, it's it's not really it's not really chemistry that's based in any sort of emotional connection. It's literally just they want to jump yeah. each other's bones. Yeah, and I guess if the goal is to show that they're both bad people, yeah. Like, You've done that. For sure. I don't think Anna's necessarily bad, but she definitely isn't, like, nice. No, she's not. I wouldn't say she's a considerate person, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I'd say she's quite self-interested in not only this, you know, thing with Ben, but in her relationship with Connor. Like, she's really only in it for an ego boost. She's using him. She's manipulating him. (laughs) Yeah. It's very, very self-interested. So Ben gets home and gives his wife, Janine, a kiss. Mm. And she's like, oh, you smell different. He's like, that's an odd thing to say. And I'm like, yeah, because you're a chain smoker. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's such a crazy thing. He's like immediately flips it around on her. What a weird thing to say. How odd. Yeah. Do you have a fever? You're acting weird. No, like, huh. Yeah. You know. I'm using a different body wash or what do I smell like? I ate something. Yeah. Oh, what do I, that's weird. What do I smell like? No, he's like, hmm, what an odd thing for you to say. There's something wrong with you, not with me. I haven't done anything wrong. So she's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the ashtray and cigarettes I found in the backyard. P.S. Her dad died from lung cancer. So very big deal to her. Mm -hmm. And she asks him not to lie to her. And Ben says, they have 8,000 undocumented workers here every day. 
and she assumes the cigarettes are his. And I'm like, you're an asshole. Yeah. You – he's just Deplorable. so bad. Yeah, he's a bad person. Yeah. And then he says, I'm not lying to you. And then like flips the switch again and, and just goes like, that renovation is getting to you because nothing is happening. Yeah, he even says – he's like, I think you're freaking out. It's because of the renovation. Yeah. I'm like, oh, And, my like, takes God. the magazine out of her hand and, like, rifles through it and then, like, tosses it. And he's just like, relax. Like, it's all good. And she ends up apologizing to him. Oh, my God. It's infuriating. It's, like, truly a, a textbook lesson in gaslighting. I know that the phrase gets thrown around a lot. But, like, this is exactly what it is. He has convinced her that her reality as she's seeing it and as she's correctly perceiving it, is not real. He's like, you're being crazy. I'm Nothing's different with me. I'm not the one that's smoking. You're the one who's losing it. Yeah. It's, it's so infuriating. And just the way that he does it with such ease, not even a stumble. Like, yeah. it's psychotic. Very deep. Very deep gaslighting. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so after that horrendous scene... We then go to Gigi. She's uh, making out with some guy in his apartment. And literally while they're in the midst of making out, she's like, I can't wait to kiss you again. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, we're kissing right now. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, but a second date kiss is more intimate. And I'm like, if you you can think that all you want, but like not everything needs to be shared the moment that it enters your brain. That's so true, queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some some thoughts are inside thoughts that don't necessarily need to be shared in that moment. So while they're making out, he's like, "By the way, uh, I'm I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm gonna be out of town, so I'll be I'll be a little out of touch." So Gigi does actually catch this red flag, thank God, and excuses herself to go to the bathroom. She then proceeds to call Alex and fill him in on the situation. Alex is literally in the same scenario, making out with a woman himself. When he stops to pick up Gigi's call, and I truly can't blame her for reading into that one because it is interesting. It's telling. Yeah. So when she tells him about what the guy said about being out of town, he just says, run. Like, where is he going that he's going to be out of touch? Where is he going that he can't use his cell phone? Yeah. 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 Great point, Alex. Mm -hmm. So Gigi opens the bathroom door and is like, uh, where did you say you were going again? And he's like, uh, 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 Pittsburgh. (laughs) So Alex tells her again, run. And she says, am I just supposed to run from every guy who doesn't like me? And Alex is like, yeah. And then devastating line, great delivery from Jennifer Goodwin. But then there's not going to be anybody left. Rough, rough one. So Alex is like, you know what? I do know a nice guy who might actually like you. So Gigi is excited about this. And he's like, by the way, you know, I would take your time in the bathroom, you know, let him sweat. (laughs) So Gigi decides to do a little sponsored, not sponsored, crest white strip in the meantime. Mm -hmm. Oh, so we're on Neil's boat. Neil is now living on his boat because he doesn't have a girlfriend. I'm like, what does Neil do? He seems to be doing very well for himself. Right. That's not a boat. That's like a yacht. It's like very large. Yeah. It's like Bill from Mamma Mia, like that kind of boat. 
Right. But I, I am wondering if it is less expensive to own a boat in Baltimore, Maryland, mm. but it is still a luxury. Yeah. So would love to know his career path. Mm-hmm. Um, Too bad we don't know anything about him. So Yeah. So he goes sailing with Ben and Neil asks about Beth and Ben says she's so busy organizing her sister's funeral. <laughs> and Neil's like, what? And Ben is like, oh, I mean wedding. And Neil asks why people want to get married. And Ben says, no guy actually wants to get married. False. Yeah. And if they do, all they're really thinking about is all the woman they're going to miss out on. Methinks the lady doth project too much. Exactly. <laughs> That's, I'm like, Freud, check this guy out. <laughs> we got a treat for you. Yeah, exactly. We got a little yum yum. <laughs> so Neil's like, I don't want to be with anyone else but Beth and ask Ben why he got married. And that line was poignant. Yes. Like, hearing him say that was what I needed to be like, oh. Oh, he just doesn't want to get married. Yes. Like, I need a guy to speak to another guy and be like, here's my truth, Mm -hmm. and then I believe him. (laughs) Yeah, because otherwise, I don't believe a goddamn thing you have to say. (laughs) Exactly. So, Ben is like, I love Janine, and when Neil asks if he's a happily married guy, he's like, yeah. Liar. Yeah. Yeah. So we then go to Beth's sister's rehearsal dinner, and this like absolute dickwad asshat is making a toast. He literally is like, Well, we all know my cousin the bride is hot. And I'm like, What's wrong with you? He's really, yeah, he's disgusting. Yeah. And he also, in the midst of his speech, gives a little shout out to Beth. You know, still single. She may be an older model. But she's got a lot of good miles left in that tank. But don't Crazy. stay on the lot too long, Bethy. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? But Beth's dad, luckily, steps in to save the day. He interrupts. And he's like, all right, that's the end of the speeches, everybody. Enjoy the crab. So enjoy the crab. And I'm like, I will. Yeah. Also, the dad played by Chris Christopherson, a famous veteran mm-hmm. actor. And he follows after Beth, and he's like, you know, Cousin Jay, he's always been a jackass. And Beth is like, yeah, and somehow even he is married. And I'm like, that poor woman. So her dad says that, you know, she never did things like everybody else. She was always a little bit different, and that's why she's his favorite daughter. And she's like, Dad, you're not supposed to say that. He's like, I don't give a shit. I'm retired. I'll say say to the whole room if you want me to. (laughs) So it's a cute little dynamic. But again, we barely ever get to see it ever again because we get no development on Beth's character. Yeah. And she's like the one that I like the best in this whole movie. Absolutely. Janine is fine, but we just also don't see much of her. Mm Mm-hmm. They kind of portray her as, like, an okay wife, but, like, obviously because of the contrast between her and – what's her name? Ben? Oh. Oh, I meant Janine and Ben, like, the contrast of them. She she comes off as, like, cloying and kind of, like, Mm -hmm. force – like, not aggressive, but, like, just very on top of him and, like, suffocating. But, like, I don't know what her personality is because – I only see her in comparison 
yeah, to her husband and Gigi pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, we go to the Huntsman's Den where Gigi is waiting for Alex's friend to arrive for their date. And then we see Alex walk in and he tells Gigi that Bill isn't coming. It's Bill, right? Yeah. Yeah. Says that Bill isn't coming. He got the dates mixed up and he accidentally told him it was Tuesday, not Thursday. So Gigi starts throwing herself a pity party and she's like, Ugh, I'm with a guy who can't tell us days apart and the girl at the bar is meeting her soulmate. Okay. <laughs> Zoom into the scene. Okay. And Alex is like, that man is clearly not interested. And he accidentally on purpose spills his drink uses this as a distraction to walk off and alex is like in that pathetic guy next to her is going to buy her drinks all night then she'll insist there's no spark and Gigi's like you need a spark and alex is like no a spark is bs made up by guys as a reason not to call but women buy it because they love drama it is very reductive but there is a hint of truth yeah a hint. A hint. Not yeah, entirely. The smallest little glimmer. Mm -hmm. Do I love a little drama? Of course. Yeah. What's life without it? Yes. But Alex brings up her stalking Connor and obsessing over him, even though the date was mediocre. And, and I'm that's like, that it. is true. That's the glimmer. That is true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he tells her that for him, if someone isn't interested, he just moves on. There's probably someone else out there with bigger implants and smaller pores and you lost me again <laughs> and you, yeah and right back out so Gigi asks why alex is sharing all of his insider info with her and he's like well i like you and Gigi, immediate yeah. like big eyes like practically drooling but then alex is like whoa 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 hey 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 i like you the way people like basset hounds you just want to cheer them up <laughs> You look and like a like, droopy-eyed, okay. sad little dog. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> she's like, cheers to sensitivity. Yeah. So meanwhile, back at Janine's construction site, she is going over the renovations with Javier, her contractor. Oh, played by – what's his name? <sighs> Let me He's uh, like find been it. in so many things. He's so famous. Yeah. Luis, Luis Guzman. Guzman. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yes, uh, criminally underused in this movie. So sh she asks him if any of his workers have been smoking. And he's like, no, like my guys wouldn't smoke on a job site. They're good guys. She's like, are you sure that they haven't been sneaking around here and smoking? Mm -hmm. And he's like, no. She's like, I need you to be honest with me, Javier, because I can't have somebody under my roof lying to my face on my time you know we we made promises to each other we had a contract and like obviously she's not talking she's talking about her marriage and javier's just like okay lady um i think i should get back to work now she's like we're, we're good right he's like yeah sure but clearly she's starting to put some pieces together that uh something's up in her marriage yeah but she's not ready to admit it to herself i mean she's she like Gigi, lies to herself a lot 
she's just not quite as grandiose with her delusions. Mm-hmm. It's sad, though, in her case, because it's someone who's made a commitment to love her and mm-hmm. be honest with her. Mm-hmm. And she's just not getting that from him. Yeah. And and she keeps, she keeps getting gaslit as mm-hmm. well, right? So it's like, <sighs> what she's supposed to think. I'm infuriated. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Connor has an open house. And it's seemingly exclusively for gay men. But as we've learned, it's a publication targeted at LGBTQ plus individuals. Mm-hmm. So them's the the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's wearing like a, what, I, what, what we would term in 2009 as like a metrosexual mm. shirt. Wow, that's a word I haven't heard in a very long time. <laughs> yeah, right? But he's just wearing like a button-down shirt, but it is like a tighter fit. Mm-hmm. And Anna is there for some reason. And she comes up to Connor and tells him he's the Liza Minnelli of real estate. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate this plot point. Yeah. And he compliments Mary on her marketing. And Anna's like, excuse me, like I have to go. And she just tries to like skirt around the fact that she's meeting a guy as she av- avoids kissing him. Yeah. And like he tries to like go in for a kiss. Like she's like, uh, uh. And two gay men are watching the whole sh- the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. And as she leaves, one of them is like, oh, she's holding out on you, isn't she? And Connor's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and one of them is like, it's obvious she won't sleep with you. So Connor ad- admits that he doesn't know what's going on. They used to sleep together all the time. Like, he's like, we sleep together all the time. And then immediately it's just like, that's not true. I don't know why I said that. Oh, Connor. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> and then he's like, we did sleep together occasionally. And now we don't. But she still calls. She comes over for a massage. She leaves cute messages. Buddy. And that's pretty brutal. Yeah. They do say Connor won't get anywhere by being inactive. So they suggest he make a move. Yeah. So we then get our next little chapter, if she's not sleeping with you. And we have some interviews with uh, this guy who, I don't know why this popped into my head, but the second I saw him, I was like, this is alternate universe Pete Davidson. Like if Pete Davidson never became famous, he would be this guy. There was something, some quality about him that just felt interesting there like if pete davidson never left staten island Mm. so yeah he's talking about how if a woman isn't sleeping with you she doesn't like you a girl will never sleep with you if she calls you cuddly or dependable if her name is amber or christine if she takes (laughs) a dump in your bathroom or she takes leftovers on the first three dates I would take leftovers on the first three dates. Yeah. Sorry. That doesn't mean that I'm not interested. That just means I want a snack it just later. Means I want, yeah, I want lunch tomorrow. God, give a girl a break. Yeah. So we go back to Ben, who is, I can't believe his dumb ass. <laughs> He's sitting up in bed. Who's bed? With Anna. Hmm. Okay. She comes out of the adjacent room in his button-down shirt, and he's like, this is like the nastiest thing I've ever heard. He's like, stop. 
I just like need to take in how beautiful you look. Except I wish I wish he said that. That would have been I better. Wish he said that. He says a moment to tell her how into her he is because it's always about him. And he's like, I have never felt like this before. I actively – and he sounds like a teenage girl. It's just like a weirdly juvenile, yeah, chauvinistic thing to say. Like everything he says is so – yeah, it's so like makes me gag. He's like, I actively have to stop my brain from thinking about you. And Anna's like, why stop? And he's like, I don't do stuff like this. Like, I don't sleep with women other than my wife. I bet you this is not his first time doing this. That's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And Anna tells him she's not woman. She's just one. Like, she's special. (sighs) Anna, you're not. You're the rule. And she tells him she can't stop thinking about him either. And he starts, like, kissing her again. Like, if even Scarlett Johansson can't be the exception, nobody can. Yeah. 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 And then we see – I don't know why they chose to do this here, but it's, like, showing Mary and Anna having, like, a little girls' day out shopping, but they're shopping in, like, CVS. (laughs) So they're browsing the aisles, and – Anna tells Mary, like, oh, my God, he's totally leaving his wife for me. That's crazy. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy and delusional because it's not happening. And Mary, again, the delusion. She's like, you know, my sister's friend, Becca, the one guy waited on her at Bennigan's. And by the end of the meal, they both realized that they had found the one. Like, it really can happen that fast. Okay, girlfriend. (laughs) And Anna's like, you're right. It totally could happen. So she then asks Mary about Texter, the internet guy she's been talking to. But she says, I had this guy leave me a voicemail at work. So I called him at home. And then he emailed me to my BlackBerry. So I texted to his cell. Then he emailed me to my home account. And then the whole thing just got out of control. And I miss the days where you had one phone number and one answering machine and that one answering machine housed one cassette tape and that one cassette tape either had a message from the guy or it didn't. And now you have to go around checking all these different portals just to get rejected by seven different technologies. It's exhausting. It does sound exhausting. It is exhausting. I definitely don't miss that for sure. Well, it sucked too because – well. I mean, people still use Instagram, but when we were in college, it was, like, the the social media. So we would, like, hang out with someone or, like, you could always just see what people were doing Mm because everyone had, like, the Instagram posts, Instagram stories. And, like, Snapchat, Snapchat stories. That was Snapchat. So you're, like, oh, we're, like, not hanging out. Yeah. So I – and, like, I know where you are. Like, it was just, like, very, like, unsettling. Yeah. So back to Gigi – who is having a little moment. She's on her couch watching some kind of wonderful. She gets a call and picks up the phone. It's Alex. He is surprised she's home. And he invites her to a party at his next weekend. Says there will be a bunch of single guys. Like, I can, you know, wingman you, like, talk you through it. Out of the blue, there's a clatter in the bar. And Alex is like, I gotta go. So she's like, oh, sorry, I interrupted you. And then she's like, wait, you called me and like hangs up the phone. Yeah, called her in the middle of his busy shift. He's thinking about her. Mm Mm-hmm. So she goes back to watching the movie and this girl 
tells a guy, I think verbatim, she says, pretend I'm a girl. And he's like, what? And she's like, pretend I'm Amanda. And Gigi's like, light bulb. <gasps> he loves me. Mm. <laughs> he loves me. Yeah. Have you have you seen some kind of wonderful? No, I haven't. Before? Have you? It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Mary Stuart Masterson, who you've seen in Fried Green Tomatoes. Right, 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 right. She's really good. Yeah. Anyways, getting back to the movie. So Gigi, yes, has had this big realization. Oh, my God. He's in love with me. She goes into work and she goes up to Janine and she's like, I had a realization last night. I was watching some kind of wonderful and I realized Alex is Watts. And she's like, what do you mean? Isn't Watts Mary Stuart Masterson? And she's like, yeah, and I'm Eric Stoltz. Mm-hmm. In the movie, Watts helps Keith get a date with Amanda Jones, but she's really in love with Eric Stoltz herself. I didn't see it before. There were so many signs. And Janine asks, what signs? And she's like, well, when I called, he said it was good to hear from me. And the second time I called, he was with another woman, but he took the call anyway. That's the tea. And we talked for a while. That's the tea. That's, yeah. That's the most damning piece of evidence right. for sure. And then she's like, and then the whole Bill setup, what if Bill never existed? Because it was just Alex that showed up and the two of us practically had a date. It was always just him. And then that part is hard. Yeah, that one could it could go either way, you know, because if if he was lying, then yeah, absolutely. But if he wasn't, then you're just a little bit delulu. <laughs> well, she's already that. Like, we were, yeah. Yeah. So to, to top it all off, she's like, and then he called me and invited me to a party at his place. And Janine, hopping right on the crazy train with her, is like, oh, my God, let's start Googling wedding venues. Jesus Christo, adios mio. <laughs> and again, it's such a caricature that, that they are painting of women. Yeah. That it's hard to watch. And I'm like, me and my girlfriends have never created... <laughs> A slideshow of the rings that we want to be proposed to with. See, but that's that's different because it's not necessarily tied to a person. This is just a jewelry slideshow. We should actually make a jewelry. Yeah. That would be useful to make a jewelry slideshow. Yeah. So dialing in. <laughs> oh, yes. Meanwhile, at work, Mary is showing her gay coworkers the man that she connected with on MySpace. And they read his quote. It's from Bon Jovi. It says, all I have is my guitar, these chords, and the truth. Vom. <laughs> yeah, really awful shit. And Mary tells them he probably hasn't called yet because they just had a coffee date last night. Actually, they just like I ch- I chatted while holding coffee. <laughs> Very uh, pandemic-esque. Mm-hmm. They say you should call your voicemail. And she has uh, two new messages one of them is this guy that she's talking with singing her name. He's like, Mary, 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 Mary. Mary. <laughs> oh, Mary. It's ugh, gag. <laughs> and then they're all excited. Mary's like smitten, plays the next voicemail. Judy, Judy, Judy. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Brutal. shit, like what number is this? And everyone's like, 
Gotta gotta blast. There's so much humiliation. (sighs) So we then go to Home Depot. Ben and Janine are looking at floor flooring samples and he's like honestly they built they both look exactly the same to me how about we go with the laminate it's about one one hundredth of the cost and she's like really uh i still want to go with the real wood though (laughs) she kind of says it in a funny way too she's like and you know what's what else is surprising i still want the real wood (laughs) (laughs) and He's like, why? You, you can't even tell the difference. And she's like, well, I don't like how the laminate is pretending to be wood. And she takes the sample and she says, this is a lie. Just be upfront and tell people what you really are. And he's finally clued in that they're not talking about flooring samples here. And he's like, you're right. I'm sorry. And she suggests that they go look at the grills and then come back. And she starts wheeling the cart away when Ben just blurts out, I slept with someone. And Janine stops dead in her tracks. Unbelievable. Yeah. And she's just like, are you doing this here at Home Depot because you don't want me to make a scene? And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking insane. (sighs) And so manipulative. Mm -hmm. So she then like very loudly calls him an asshole. And she's like, and have you also been smoking this whole time? And I'm like, Janine, 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 <laughs> Janine, let's focus on what's important here. But Ben still denies that he's he's like, no, I have not been smoking. What a nasty asshole. Yeah. And then he's like, and you know, like I already talked to Neil and he's agreed to let me stay on the boat for a couple of weeks. I'm like, you've already arranged with Neil. Like, hey, I'm going to tell my wife. He doesn't want to be with her but she will not let it like i like i I give props to you're trying to make your relationship work but like don't be with a man who doesn't want to be with you who's not going to cherish you who's not going to put you know your needs in any sort of importance in his life you deserve so much better she does but she's like she asks him if he's leaving her and he's like well i assumed that you we're going to kick me out of the house. But Janine asks if he wants to find a way to work through this. And he's like shocked. It was like, I just, you know, I, I thought that you would want me out. And she asked if that's what he wants. And there's a long, long, long pause mm. before he finally is like, no, <laughs> no. And she's like, okay okay and then she wheels that card away so you didn't get what you wanted ben which was for her to break up with you yeah so that you can be like the good guy i guess well not even necessarily that i think he just doesn't want to like be the one to say i don't want to be with you oh so he's just a coward oh yeah he's for sure for sure moving right along we're at beth's sister Paige's wedding and The bridesmaids walk down the aisle with their partners, but Beth has to walk down the aisle with a dog. That sucks. What the damn hell? Like, (laughs) first of all, at a wedding, just generally speaking, there are the groomsmen and there are the bridesmaids, right? Yeah. And they usually don't know each other. Exactly. The husband isn't usually the groomsmen and the like 
you know, it's not like it's typical, right? So they just get randomly partnered up. Exactly. You don't walk down the aisle like with your spouse. Like, does he not have groomsmen? Is that the implication? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Why is she paired with a dog? And it's it's just like it's cheap comedy that is not like justifiable. <laughs> so. Agreed. Yeah. Um. So they go to the reception and Paige is arguing with Devin that there was like a moment of hesitation at the altar. <laughs> Meanwhile, Beth is sitting alone when a man who I can only describe as like someone who I'd be like, oh, are you going to be really chill and cool? Or are you going to be like annoying? Mm. Comes up and he's like, oh, I heard a lot about you from Paige. I've been lobbying to sit next to her single sister for weeks. And Ugh. I was like, that could be endearing. Like this could be right. – this could end up being okay. And she asks if he's Dan and he's like sort of. And this is where it just starts going downhill. He goes, I'm a Wiccan. So I have a magical name. Brother Phoenix East House, East Horse. But I didn't know if that would fit on the card. All right. Beth is like, wow, I feel like tonight I'm going to be hearing a whole lot about you. And he just starts talking about how it's like a nature-based pre-Christian pagan. Like he is ready to chat away about himself. Yeah. So – we then go to Alex's party, which is freaking bumping. He has a great flat. Yeah, apartment, stunning. Clearly, City Supper Club doing very well. Very well. Yeah, he start, he's starting this party. It is bumping. It looks like a great time. Meanwhile, Gigi is just like nervously munching on snacks and watching him. And we see Mary's like coworkers see her. They they notice her having a bit of a moment. So they say hello. And she's like, oh, hi, how do you know Alex? And they're like, oh, we don't. We actually found out about this party through our friend Mary, who knows Connor. And Gigi's like, oh, right, Connor. Hmm. They then ask how she knows this Alex character. And she's like, well, I don't don't want to jinx it or anything, but like, I'm pretty sure that something is about to happen between us bro and they're like oh my god that's so exciting like are you so are you his date and Gigi's like honestly like i don't really know and they're like oh that's the worst you don't know if you're a date or just a guest and she's like you know i i think that i'm more than a guest you know there there were signs (laughs) This is like sure. one of the moments that really I was like, I want to turn it off. Yeah. It's so it's hard to watch. Mm-hmm. So back at the wedding, Beth dances with someone in her family. I think he's an uncle. And he's like, Where's Neil? And she's like, Oh, you know, we broke up. And he's like, Oh, you were together for 10 years. And she's like, Seven. And he's like, Yeah, it was a long time. And he's like, Too bad we're cousins. Oh, he's yeah, it's his cousin. And he's like, too bad we're cousins and can't marry because maybe then we could. And she like playfully slaps. What is with this family? It is disgusting. And I don't find this joke playful. Like, I'm like, this is no. gross. The fact that it's happened more than once, I'm like, maybe it's by what's marriage. What's going on? So I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But out of the blue, everyone goes silent. And we look, we pan the fucking camera over. Beth's father is having a heart attack. He's clutching his chest. Mm -hmm. He, like, fell down. And she, of course, runs over and she's like, someone, like, 
someone help me. Like, she's trying to get him assistance, and that's yeah, terrifying. Yeah. It's a very sudden shift. Yeah. And then we just, like, cut rap- right back to the party. <laughs> and I'm like, what was this choice? Who cares? Yeah, they're like, oh, man's dying at his daughter's wedding. Anyways, grab another brewski. Mm-hmm. So Alex goes up to Gigi at the party, and he's like, hey, have you found any prospective men? And she's like, I did, but they were both gay. And Alex is like, yeah, it's too bad that Bill couldn't make it, because like, I, I really think that you two would hit it off. And she's like, right, okay, wink, wink, Bill, sure. And Alex is like, okay, weirdo. So he's like, I have to go on a liquor run. Would you mind just like refilling the snacks really quick while I'm gone? And she's like, oh, like co-hosting? <laughs> that is like, mentally co-hosting? ill. And the way that he looks at her. Oh, oh God, I could die. It's painful. It's so painful. He's just like, uh, sure. Yeah, sure. Whatever. So he leaves. And immediately she's like, I am the hostess with the mostest. She is She's walking around re- like a waiter earning tips. Right. I'm like, this isn't how it, you don't go and get people drinks at a party Mm-mm. like this. People aren't like, oh, can you like you may be like, oh, I'm grabbing a beer. Great. Can you grab me one as well? Not like, hey, grab me another beer, toots. Like, what is the vibe of this party that everyone's just treating her like a cater waiter? It was so bizarre. But yeah, she's passing out snacks. She's grabbing people their drinks. She's, like, mixing up the dip with this gigantic wooden spoon, which was baffling to me. I don't know why in such a small bowl she's using such a giant spoon because she uses it again at the end. And I don't know why, but it pissed me off because I'm, like, in what is wrong with the props department? Because in no world is anybody mixing dip with that big of a spoon. Agreed. Agreed. Anyways. (laughs) So some people come up to her and they're like, wow, this was so fun. And she's like, yeah, when... And this is where it really goes off the rails, because not only is she being delusional, but she's just straight up lying. She's like, yeah, when Alex said to me, let's throw a party, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And they're like, well, thanks so much for having us. And she's like, yeah, anytime. I'm like, you're just lying. You're simply lying to people and yourself. But anyways, then this incredibly gorgeous, model-esque, tall, blonde woman. She's billed as tall woman. Like when I paused really? it, when I was watching on Amazon and I paused the oh television, it says tall woman. Mm. They could have just written Giselle type because that's basically what she's serving. She's gorgeous and she comes over. I don't know who the fuck put the chips <laughs> on the, the most out of reach, <laughs> highest cover. Yep. But she goes over, she's mm-hmm. like looking for She's like, got him. Like, <laughs> like stretches her hand up and she just like effortlessly grabs it. Mm-hmm. And she's like. Oh, like, and she's just like, can I help you? And she's like, oh, just grabbing some chips. Like, oh, thanks for whipping up the dip. And Gigi's like taken aback by this. She's like, oh, Lord. And she's like, oh, Alex asked me to get the dip together. Like, thank you so much for getting it started. And she tastes it like literally like because when you're hot, you can do whatever. So she like licks a little (laughs) off her finger, which anyone else doing that, everyone would be like, Oh, ew. Disgusting. She's like, could use a little more dill, but I'm on it. Don't worry, queen. I'm on it. And I would. Like, don't, don't worry. I got if it. it. Were, if it were me, I would be literally like a little troll. I'm like fuming. I'm like. Mm. 
it's again that sound that's like a million years old now from TikTok where it's like, hey, Dan, I just moved in next door. I'm a supermodel. And it cuts <laughs> the guy. I don't care who the IRS sends. Like that would be me in that situation. Just like an angry little man standing in the corner like, why I ought no, to I would be this. like, I'm not even that level. I would be the guy at Bagel Boss freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I would be I would be sick to my stomach. This there's just so many things about this whole sequence that piss me off. After the party, Alex and Tall Girl are playing video games. Gigi has cleaned the entire apartment and it is girly pop. Stand up. It is so embarrassing. I'm like cringing. Yeah. And Gigi comes into the living space and says, I think I finally got the last of the beer bottles and like has separated the recycling and asks – and like (laughs) Alex and Tall Girl are literally playing like NBA All-Stars, whatever. NBA Y2-09 or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And they're, they're like, watch this. And she's like, oh, what game are we playing? And I'm like, <laughs> sometimes in moments like these, the best thing to choose is silence. Mm-hmm. And they ignore her completely. And Gigi's like, well, I guess I should get going since it's past 3 a.m. They finally finish the video game. Tall girl wins. And she's like, oh, did you say it was three? I should get going. And Gigi is left alone with Alex. She sits down on the couch, and Alex is like, oh, thank you for staying and helping clean up. Oh, well, I need to go to bed. And she's like, (laughs) (laughs) she utters the words, is that an invitation? (laughs) I want to crawl in a hole. And Alex is just, like, just watching you prepare to have to say that line was it's in stunning. <laughs> it is like I'm being transported back to my most embarrassing memories. Mm-hmm. And she sorry, he's like, What? What? And Gigi's like, I'm not good at this, and attacks Clearly. him. Clearly. And sexually assaults him with a kiss. And quite literally. Quite literally. And she's like um no 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 sorry i'm like getting ahead of myself because i'm so embarrassed and alex is like wait stop 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 oh my i again i'm missing something okay she attacks him with a kiss Mm -hmm. and she tells him the best relationships grow out of friendships and alex is like "What? what now you and i are in a relationship and she tells him well, we're on like the track. Well, even worse, she's like, we're not exactly at relationship station ship, but we're on the track. <sighs> and he's like, why, why, why? And Gigi's like, well, you said it was good to hear from me. Like, you talked to me on the phone even when there was a girl there. Like, I, I felt something. And Alex stands up and tells her no. This whole time he's been saying, if a guy wants to go out with you, he will make it happen. He will ask you out. And he asks 
if he asked her out and she's just like, no. And Alex asks why women take every little thing a guy does and twist it in their minds into something else. And Gigi is like holding back tears. And Alex, I I was proud of her for saying this. Mm -hmm. She's holding back tears and then tells Alex she'd rather be like that than like him. And he's like, what's that supposed to mean? And she says, I may dissect each little thing and put myself out there too much, but at least that means I still care. Oh, you think you've won because women are expendable to you? You may not get hurt or make an ass out of yourself that way, but you don't fall in love that way either. You have not won. You're alone, Alex. I may do a lot of stupid shit, but I know I'm a lot closer to finding someone than you are. And... Gigi leaves the apartment, and Alex is like, Meh. Yeah, this this whole scene is, I mean, it's really hard to watch. It's really brutal. The way that he reacts to her is, it is in- incredibly harsh. Yeah, he kind of blows up at her. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's not to say, like, he's not, you know, entitled to be feeling upset or whatever, But I don't know. It's just like this person obviously is in a very like it's you're in a very vulnerable state when you get like rejected. Yeah. And for him to then like scream at her and kind of berate her in a way that it felt like she was being yelled like punished. Like it's just it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. I think he goes in too hard. But Mm -hmm. also like. I get his frustration. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, he kind of takes it too far. But she, you know what? She's delusional about love. She's also, like, has a thick skin. Yeah. Because she's able to bounce back from this. And I feel like this would really, this would knock me down a couple pegs for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I do like her monologue. I think that it's nice to see her kind of, like, turn the tables on him and have him have to be introspective mm-hmm. for the first time. Which is why I think that, like, this storyline has enough to be its own romantic comedy. And we'll talk about it when we get to the end of how I kind of wish that their storyline had gone. So that it honors, like, the actual lesson of the book and what the movie is, like, trying to do. But instead, they kind of just, like, undercut it with the way that they did end it. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. So... After that, we go back to Beth in the wake of her father's heart attack. Uh, He has survived. He's alive. We had to wait 20 minutes to figure that out. I can't, like, I couldn't deal with this movie if someone died. Yeah. So she is clearing a plate of food from his bed, and she then goes downstairs, and one of her sister's husbands is like, hey, Beth, grab me a beer and some cold cuts if there's any left over. Just, like, sitting on his ass. Meanwhile, her sister's new husband, Devin, is, like, blasting the vinyl records of her father being like, oh, man, like, do you think that your dad really needs all these? Because my collection could seriously use some of these vinyls. He sucks. Sucks. And she's like, can you just turn it the fuck down? Like, I'm sorry. The patriarch is, like, recovering from a heart attack upstairs and you're fucking blasting his music and trying to snatch him out of his hands? Yeah. What's wrong with you? 
So she goes into the kitchen and she's like, you know, we're all out of toilet paper and all we have left to eat is old jelly and ramen noodles. And our new brother in there wants to co-opt dad's property before he's even dead. And oh, by the way, Laura, your husband wants another beer for his fifth consecutive hour of the golf network. The men in this family ain't shit. Not at all. She then turns around to see her sisters sitting at the table. They're crying. And she goes over there to to confront them. To confront them about their nasty ass husbands. Knock their lights out. (laughs) To comfort them. At work, Janine tells Gigi about Ben's infidelity. And she asks Janine if she's going to leave him, but Janine is like, he's my husband, not some guy who didn't call me back. And I'm like, ouch. But Janine says he admitted it to her, which takes courage. And then- Bare fucking minimum. Yeah. And what she says later on is also like, ugh. And says that Alex wasn't just some guy. So like, sorry. And- Janine is like, I have to take some responsibility for my role in this mess. And I'm like, no, because if if you had a responsibility, like if there was something wrong, mm-hmm. it should have been addressed and have a conversation yeah. like a like a mature adults would discuss something. Right. And she's like, I forced him into getting married. And she's like, this isn't your fault. But Janine is like – I've changed. You know, I was fun when we first met. And then she, like, takes a breath and says, we don't have sex anymore. And Gigi's like, a lot of couples go through lulls. But Janina's like, no, we never have sex. What was he supposed to do? And Gigi, like, doesn't know what to say. Janina just looks at, like, this sample of tile in her hand. And she's like, it's too small. I have to tell Javier. And Gigi's like, what? And Shanine gets up. She's like, I have to go. I need to take a personal day if anyone asks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this this definitely gives us some insight into Janine's inner life because she tends to keep things like pretty under the surface. Like we see her get angry, but we don't really see her get emotional like this. But the way that she cries when she's like, we never have sex is really heartbreaking and then to see her immediately push all of those feelings down is really sad i'm like you shouldn't have to feel that way you shouldn't have to feel like you can't talk about the way that you're feeling because clearly she's with somebody who anytime she has any sort of emotional reaction to something yeah he's like you're acting crazy like you're freaking out instead of supporting her and listening so it's just like it's really sad to see yeah it just feels like they can't have well he has like a host of problems, but it does feel very mm-hmm. much like Janine has to keep everything bottled up because he's not receptive. Yeah. So. Exactly. That's really sad. So we then go to our next chapter, if he's sleeping with someone else, and we see this chic older woman billed as wealthy divorcee <laughs> talking about her first hu- husband. She's like, yeah. He was pretty unimpressive, you know, cheated on me with his big-breasted secretary. How unoriginal. Her second husband, however, 
you know, had a little bit more to him, cheated on me with my sister, and he made me feel crazy for being suspicious. There was some mind games, some intrigue. But her third husband was a real gem. He was a master at covering his tracks. She looked at credit card records. She intercepted phone calls. She had him followed a few times. Never had a single shred of evidence. It wasn't until he died that she found out about the property that he owned with his Austrian mistress. Mm. But the real master is her. Three husbands, countless boyfriends, and I haven't been caught yet. I kind of loved this one. I'm like... I want a movie about her. Right. It's very like Evelyn Hugo. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, Ben, <sighs> Ben, the devil oh my God. incarnate. <laughs> he walks down the hallway kissing Anna. They've just had a meeting with the music guy, and she's like, I can't believe he liked the demo. He said it was hauntingly beautiful. And she kisses Ben. They start making out. He turns her around and she begins undressing. Yeah. Then out of the blue, there's a knock on his office door and he's like, Dana, I have some papers to like, da, da, da. I'll talk to you later. But it's not Dana. It's his <sighs> wife, Janine. So he tells Anna to get into the closet and she does so like reluctantly. And yeah, he shoves her in there. It's, it's really like it could only go wrong. Mm-hmm. And he tells Anna to get in the closet. He calls out to Janine. He's like, I've been telling Dana to get that lock fixed. And finally he opens the door. And Janine tells him to sit down. She begins undressing to reveal some sexy lingerie. And she kind of like stumbles at first and then like sits on his lap. And she's like, I'm trying to relight the fire. And he's like, I really have to go over the offering statements. And Janine tells him she is really trying here. And she she asked if he wants to save their marriage. And he, like, doesn't respond quickly. No. And then goes, of course. And they start kissing while Anna is in the closet. It's like – sickening it like literally makes my skin crawl it's bad for both of them honestly like both the women oh yeah oh yeah not him. i couldn't give a fuck about him for both of the women like it's he's such a nasty guy yeah deplorable huh <sighs> so thankfully we cut away from that we go to yeah. city supper club uh they're doing their lineup meeting before open Alex is clearly not focused. He's not dialed in. He's got something else on his mind. I wonder what it could be. Hmm. So he adjourns the meeting and he goes over to Kelly Ann, busy Phillips, and is like, hey, have I gotten any calls? And she's like, well, since you last asked me 11 minutes ago, <sighs> no. And Alex is like checking his phone, holding it up to make sure he has reception. Unbelievable. And Kelly Ann is like, oh my God, what's her name? He's like, what are you talking about? She's like, no, there's a girl, you know? And so she follows him to his office and she's like, oh, this is amazing. You can't focus, right? Like jumping at your phone every time it rings, checking your email a hundred times a day, wishing you could write songs. No, feeling the need to bring her up 
in every random conversation. It's always the same. And now it's happened to you, my friend. And Alex is like, well, shit. Imagine finding out Justin Long has a crush on you. Oh my gosh. I would <laughs> scream. But anyways, back to the devil himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ben and Janine finish having sex. And she asks if she can interest him in some beef and broccoli. Like a very like sweet, like loving, like, oh, let's go to lunch. Like, yeah. No. He's like, like I said, I really have to get some work. Well, he didn't say, he's like, oh, I really have to get some work done. And Janine says, okay. But before she goes, she tells him she loves him. And he's like, I love you too. Janine leaves and Ben goes to the closet to let out Anna. And like, uh, oh, to hear not only the guy that you have developed feelings for, having sex with his literal wife, right? Yeah. On top of that, like hearing, I want to save our marriage, of course. I love yeah. you. Like, not great. Yeah. So Anna barges out of the closet and calls him a disgusting excuse for a man. And Ben tries to stop her, but she tells him not to touch her and that he'll never touch her again and walks out. Yeah, it's like – it's – so disgusting and i'm like how do you how does he i mean obviously he's psychotic but i'm like how do you even get it up in that situation like to have sex with Janine? i don't know he's just a bad guy yeah well, this is a movie but like yeah he is a bad guy <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just like so again devastating for janine because like after this and she's saying goodbye and she has like a little like giggle and a smile to herself yeah. as she leaves the office and i'm like oh this is it's really sad so awful so we then go to Gigi. she's in her apartment on the phone with a bill collector and she's like hey thanks so much for letting me pay late over the phone i promise it's not going to happen again I'm trying to cut the drama out of my life and then the phone rings again and who is it but the mysterious Bill. Mm. He lives and breathes. And he's like, yeah, I would still really love to take you out for dinner. And Gigi says yes. She's moving on. Good for her. So for now. Yeah. <laughs> so people are healing and also tearing apart their lives. And mm -hmm. Anna is on her bed in her apartment mm -hmm. when we hear a knock at the door. And who is it but Connor? Yeah. And she opens the door up, calls him sweetie, and Connor goes, why do you call me that? Like, why are, you, why are you calling me sweetie? And she's like, we always call each other sweetie. And Connor tells Anna they call each other sweetie. They fall asleep after talking on the phone for hours. And he washed her hair for her after she got so shoulder surgery. Damn. I'm like, Connor. Yeah. And he's like, it feels like we're together, but we aren't. And, you know, maybe it's my fault for not being clear. I really want to try this for whatever reason. Anna agrees. Yeah. Someone's self-esteem is at an all-time low. Shorty got low. <laughs> And all of a sudden, a guy comes over and is like, I want to love and cherish you. And even though she does not like him. Right. 
she says yes. And this is especially poignant by the very next shot, which yeah. is them laying in Anna's bed. And Connor sleeping like a freaking baby mm-hmm. with his legs all like up on her. And she just looks like so disgusted to have this man's arms around her. And I'm like, if you feel disgusted at his touch. Oh, yeah. You gots to go. Yeah. That's the first sign. Yeah, it is. So we then go back to Beth's dad's house. All of the fucking useless men in the family are sitting around watching football. They suck so much. I thought that these were like uncles or something. I didn't realize until later that these were maybe one is is an uncle, but like these are her sister's husbands. Yeah, husbands. Yeah. Useless pieces of trash. Yeah. Uh, Beth is like, hey, did any of you get a chance to go to the store today? And they're like, oh, no, we're fine. We got takeout. And she's like, I didn't mean for you. Talking about the man who had a heart attack. Yeah, they don't give a shit. And then Beth turns around to see the kitchen, which in the last shot was like a fucking disaster zone. And she sees the kitchen looking spotless. And who is standing at the sink doing dishes? and he just like very quietly turns around he's like i'm almost done Uh, i still have to fold some laundry there's more in the dryer and i got some of the food that your dad likes but i also got some healthy stuff too and like yeah this too would would melt me instantly and beth just like starts crying and hugs him and he tells her it's gonna be okay and i'm like this is what it's all about like this is the support that you don't ask for, but it just shows up. Mm-hmm. And that's what being a partner is all about. You got to pick up – I've heard, which I don't really like this because I think it's like a little too thought out and like I it personally doesn't suit me. But I have heard of mm-hmm. couples being like, you know, I they'll be like, I talk to my partner and if I'm at like a 20%, I need them to be at an 80% or if I'm having a day where I'm – or if they're having a day where they're at like, you know, 20%, I have to be the 80%. So mm-hmm. they like match, you know, but in a more like a simpler sense, it's like, yeah, if someone's going through something, like you have to pick up the slack. Right. Because it's like you need that you need to like help that person. And then of mm-hmm. course, like when you're not feeling your best, they're going to be there for you. But like there has to yeah. be a, you know, a give and take. It can't just be like take, take, take. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, like, especially with a character like Beth, who clearly naturally falls into a caretaker role, I think she's supposed to be the oldest sister. It kind of feels like that, yeah. Yeah. And um, as soon as everything went down, like, she is the only one who's taking care of her dad. She's the one supporting her sisters. She's the one who's doing all of the cooking and the cleaning and all that kind of stuff and has nobody there for her. She's there for everybody and nobody's there for her. Yeah. And so having somebody who, even when they're not together, still shows up unannounced and he's like, I know exactly the things that she would need handled, mm-hmm. does it, no questions asked, that's what makes Neil the best man in this movie. Totally. It's a low bar, but <laughs> but he reaches it. Yeah. Yeah. So things are really heating up now. Um, Janine goes into the home. Right, that they've been renovating this entire time, and the reno is complete. The house looks gorgeous, mm-hmm. and Janine hangs up photos. She 
puts pictures around the house. Making this house a home. Literally. And she looks at a photo of her and Ben from their graduation and calls Ben. Ben sees the call and silences his phone. I bet you wish you picked up that call, Ben. Mm-mm-mm. So Janine looks over and then decides to like pick up some laundry to put away. But as she's carrying it, a carton of cigarettes falls out. Mm-hmm. Janine is furious. She throws Ben's clothes, calls him a lying sack of shit, and I'm like, he always was. And mm-hmm. she empties out his closet and just like throws all of his clothes down the stairs and then just takes the mirror off the wall, smashes it. Yeah. So And then like my my favorite way that they cap off the scene, like as soon as she smashes the mirror, she just quietly and calmly grabs a broom mm-hmm. and starts sweeping it up. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, it tells us so much about her character, but that like moment where she finally gets confirmation that he's been lying to her, that he's never going to change. Yeah. That he doesn't value her feelings. He's never going to care about this relationship of course she's gonna have an insane outburst i would have done more if i was her (laughs) heard that that house would have been burned to the ground and i would collect the insurance money and run away (laughs) but that's just christina pulls up on a rhode island set it was sunny (laughs) yeah with a fucking giant wad of cash in my pocket off the burned down house in st louis (laughs) Oh, nobody, no crime. Am I right, oh my ladies? God. <laughs> the, the like craziest Taylor Swift song. She's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, ladies, mm-hmm. do you want to write a song together?" Here's the kicker: one of you is dead. <laughs> Here's the kicker: I murdered one of your husbands. Here's the kicker: I've never been to Olive Garden. I'm too famous. Yeah, is in what world has Taylor Swift ever stepped foot in an Olive Garden? Let's be so for real. So yeah, I would say that. In this movie, what I wish would have happened was a nobody, no crime twist for Janine. Yeah. And then Connor, his heart song is Tolerate It from Evermore. Um, What about Anna? Illicit Affairs. Oh. Oh. Yep. Um, Gigi, Foolish One from Speak Now from The Vault. Oh, I don't even remember that song. The lyrics to the chorus are foolish one, stop checking your mailbox for confessions of love that aren't ever going to come. But I feel like also Gigi is like delicate, but she mm. like can't be delicate, which is like the whole point yeah. of the song. Yeah. Who else do we have? Or Anna could also be August. Ooh. It's another possibility. How do we want for, what do we want for Beth? Better man, maybe. Well, if you really wanted to be emo, the song, it's like you're slipping away or like I'm losing you. You're losing me? Oh, yeah. Mm. You're losing me. Yeah. And Mary, we don't know enough about her. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Mary. Mary's song. Yeah, there you go. Mary's song. (laughs) Deep cut. Oh, Mary, Mary, Mary. (laughs) Oh, my, my, my. (sighs) Okay, anyways, so I think it's you. Yes. So back to Gigi. She is doing her hair, getting ready for her date, and her phone rings, and she does not pick it up because that blow dryer is loud. 
and <laughs> it's like a fucking toy, bro. <laughs> yeah. But it's Alex leaving a message asking how she's doing. Like they haven't talked in a while. He really wants to talk to her. And he just keeps like rambling, 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 just like she did on the voicemail that she left for Connor. The next thing we know, Beth is wandering down the pier at the marina. And Neil pops his head out of his boat and welcomes her. And Neil's like, I wasn't expecting visitors. And she tells him that she just wanted to say thank you for helping yesterday. And he tells her he's the same person. He would do anything for her. He just can't give her what she wants. And who do you want to be in this scene? You can you beg. Um... I'll be Neil. Do you want to be Beth? I'll be Beth. If you insist. Mm. I know. Yeah. Take your moment, queen. <laughs> she just goes, you're what I want. Our life together is what I want. I miss it. I miss you. You see those guys my sisters are married to? You're more of a husband to me. Not being married than those real husbands are ever going to be. And it's enough. It's really enough for me. And you would be willing to take the whole marriage thing off the table completely? If you promise to commit to me and to love me and... I already have. I'm not finished. Okay. All right. But I've loved you for seven years. Uh, uh, okay. You have to snake the drain when my hair gets clogged. You know that happens. Okay? Okay. Yeah. And also, you have to let me eat those wheat thins in bed. You got to give me that. Okay. Fine. All right. Okay. And? Yeah. And? That's it. Okay. Do I get to come home now? I guess you can. But she tells him the pants <laughs> cannot come with him. Those nasty cargo shorts that he's He's been sporting, sporting for the past weeks. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't know exactly where I land on this. I kind of go back and forth of like, it was really important to you. Like it was so important that you were willing to walk away. But also I understand like he is proven beyond that, like how ready he is to love and commit to you and be there for you forever. So like, I don't know how I feel necessarily about her giving in. Mm. I think it's a, a double edged sword because it seems like at the end of the day for her, it wasn't about the marriage. It was more so yeah. about the commitment yeah, and feeling like sh she had someone there to have her back. So I don't really mind that she decided to get back to him because she does seem genuinely happy. Like it doesn't feel yeah. like she's compromising. But then I'm also like, I don't know. Why did we include it? I liked their story. I just wanted yeah. to know more about them. <laughs> As, yeah, especially because of the way that it ends with them in their final scene. Yeah. I'm like, is it just because, like, now the pressure's off? Now he can do it? Like, maybe. How do we get to that? It's almost point? more infuriating. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's, I would be pissed yeah. <laughs> if I went through all that. And then only after I was like, okay, we don't have to, then you're like, all right, I'll do it. Hmm. I don't know. But it, it does seem, and this, I would have liked if this was included, like, and we we kind of get this with uh, Justin Long's character later on, but if he was mm -hmm. like, 
you know, I think part of me was scared, but like the fact that she comes back to him. Yeah. And is like, I want to be with you. Like you're my person and like comes to the boat and like does this whole thing. And if he at that point is like, I thought he was going to propose to her there Mm. because it seemed like they had finally like really connected and were able to, to talk about it. And at that point he could have been like, I've been really closed off because I, you know, was scared of losing you or like of it not being of of like I don't know what the fuck, but <laughs> so yeah, have some sort of reason why because he never even gives a real reason why exactly, and that's like my main beef with this storyline is like yeah he says his surface reasons why, but I'm like I don't I don't buy that those are the actual reasons. It just seems too thin for you mm-hmm. to like be willing to, to throw to fuck away up your whole life yeah this like seven year long relationship that you plan to have for the rest of your life like you've decided that this is your person yeah that you're committed to but your disdain for marriage which seems like pretty mild and tame mm-hmm. with not a lot of emotional underpinning mm-hmm. to it is worth throwing that away i'm like there has to be more yeah i'm like an easy fix would have been like my parents got divorced when i was a kid and i don't want to ever go through that you know something sure. like that but obviously it would be more interesting or like i was compelling than married that. already and i got divorced yeah some something it just it seems too thin yeah and we again it's just because there's so many characters in this movie it's already two hours which is very long for a rom-com there just wasn't time to really flesh these people out, which is a shame because there are some really interesting stories here. I agree. I agree. Stop doing yeah. fucking multi-plot movies. Yeah, if you can't do it well, if you can't strike the right balance between emotional depth and fun hee-hee storylines, don't do it at all. Get out of there. Yeah. So Connor takes Anna to see a new listing that he has. They go inside this, like, really cute brownstone, like, multi-level home, and she talks about how she grew up in a house just like this, and even goes to the kitchen and, like, pulls down an ironing board out of a cupboard just like she used to have growing up, and her mom used it as a desk. It's a very sweet moment, and Connor's just, you know, looking lovingly at this, this woman, and she's like, so who's buying the house? And he says, well, the open house is tomorrow. I do have this one buyer and uh, he wanted to make sure that his girlfriend liked it first before he bought it. Turns out she's the girlfriend. Connor is the one who's looking at the house. Brother. Yeah. <laughs> he tells Anna that he has a plan. She doesn't have to move in right now. But he doesn't want to buy it unless she can see herself living here with him eventually. And Damn. Anna has to finally face the music. And she looks at him and says, I can't do this. She says that what he's offering is what every girl wants. And it's what she always wanted, but... And Connor has to finish her devastating sentence, which is, but not with me. Yeah. Yeah. So Anna starts crying. And Connor, he takes his blow like a champ, honestly. He really does. He's he joke he makes a joke where he's like maybe we can just dial it back to when we were just sleeping together, <laughs> and Anna gives him a hug and it's you know, it's very amicable and you know things are ending on good terms but it is devastating for him. 
Oh, yeah. Especially to go to the – like, he really <laughs> wanted to have a life with her. But that also makes me yeah. feel like I can't tell if he uh, – I don't know. I'm just like, you didn't feel – like, you felt that spark even though it was, like, non-existent for her. Like, did you – Yeah. I don't know. I think it's it's the type of thing where, like, obviously they – they are good friends because he, he's like, yeah. yeah, we talk on the phone for hours. Like, they have this friendship right. chemistry. Right. And he finds her attractive. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's kind of enough <laughs> for him mm-hmm. to, like, to, to sustain that where he's like, yeah, like, I'm super attracted to her. So, of course, he feels the spark. She doesn't. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So, that's a, a bust. <laughs> yeah. We go back to Ben he walks into the new house and all of his things are folded on the stairs very neatly. And there's also a box of American spirits with a note, knock yourself out. And inside, P.S. I want a divorce. Hell yeah. Cut back to Gigi. She gets home from her date with Bill and says it was nice meeting him. I'm like, does that mean you never want to see him again? Yeah. They hug and he leaves and Gigi goes into her apartment and takes off her jacket. But then there's a knock at the door. It's Alex. (gasps) He came back. And Gigi asks if he forgot something and he's like, yeah, I did. And pulls out the dentist pen. (gasps) And Gigi's like, did you come all the way back here at 11 p.m. to give me a promotional pen? And that is when he admits he can't stop thinking about her. He drives by her place, calls and hangs up. And she's like, wait, you told me a man would make it happen if he wants it to happen. And it sure didn't seem like he wanted it to happen when I was hurling my body onto yours. And he's like... I got so used to keeping myself close off from women and having all the power. I didn't know what it felt like to fall for someone. I didn't know. And Gigi tells him that she just went out with his friend Bill and he might be just what she needs. Totally drama free. Like he calls, he says what he does. He does what he says. And Alex is like, I can do that stuff too. And again... (laughs) Gigi's like, but you told me about being the rule, not the exception, and that I have to stop thinking that. And Alex cuts her off with a kiss. And she says, I'm the exception. And he tells her, you're my exception. (laughs) They make out in the hallway. Okay. (laughs) I... They, this movie is trying to like, I mean, they do a hell of a job at it. They're like trying to gaslight me into enjoying the scene by playing Somewhere Only We Know by Keen in the background. Totally. Which like, love that song. Beautiful song. And also having Justin Long say all these things. Love Justin Long. Beautiful man. Oh, yeah. But like it just, it doesn't feel earned to me for them to get together. Um, I don't feel there was like enough of an apology for for, from either of them frankly of like how things went down Mm -hmm. 
it just kind of nullifies again the whole lesson that he's been trying to teach her. I think if they wanted to end it this way, they would have had to go about it in a little bit of a different progression. What I I honestly would have preferred it if they didn't end up together. Either like he never liked her at all, and she has yeah. like she has to hit rock bottom, and then that's gonna be her motivation her jumping off point to like really change the way that she's been behaving either that or he does come around and she says it is too little too late and i do deserve somebody who like values me Mm -hmm. and treats me with respect and then you know she goes on her way knowing what she's worth in a relationship. He goes on his way knowing that he actually is capable of having feelings for a woman and they both find people that are suited for them. I don't know. Like that I feel like would make more sense to me with the message that the movie has been trying to convey. I agree. Well, because it's pretty much all of the – everyone ends up happy except for – I guess Janine is happy in a way, but like they get divorced, right? But everyone else, it's like, yay. Yay. We are all the exception. Right. I'm like, too many yeah. exceptions. It <laughs> doesn't make sense. Exactly. We There should only be one. Right. Exception. And it should have – the only one that makes sense is like Beth and Neil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, you know, in the moment when I'm watching it, of course, I'm like, wow, like <laughs> rom-com goodness. But just missing a few key ingredients for me. So we then go to a little cafe. Mary is reading the Baltimore Blade. And she spots Connor across the way. Like she sees the ad. She looks down. There's the man. So she gives him a call and asks if he likes his ad in the Blade. And he's like, yeah, is the muscle tea a little too much? And she says, well, I actually like the shirt that you're wearing right now a lot more. And he looks around and, like, sees her across the cafe. Mm -hmm. But it's his, like, first time ever seeing her in person. And, you know, she ends up going over. They sit down together and they start chatting. And, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of a spark there. They kind of start hitting it off. These were the – this was the match it was supposed to be all along. Yeah, and they were right in front of each other's faces and they just didn't know. Yeah. And meanwhile, um, Neil – moving his things back in. It's kind of like a mess in progress. And he sits on the couch with Beth and she sees the pants that she told him to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And she's like, we had a deal. These are not staying. And Neil's like, come on, you can store them horizontally. They could be pressed, flattened. And he's like, listen, if you're going to throw them out, at least check the pockets. Mm. And, of course, Beth takes takes a ring box out of the pocket. Engagement ring inside. Oh, t- Beth turns around. He's down on one knee. Wow. And he says, I love you so much. So much. And I want to make you happy. I need to make you happy. For me to even have a shot at being happy. Will you marry <laughs> me? And he says it just like that. In that exact delivery. I was hoping you were going to do the delivery. (laughs) But she says yes. And then 
the most baffling choice that Ben Affleck could ever make. After she says yes, Ben Affleck on his knees just goes, yeah. Like, it, watch it again <laughs> just for his reaction. He just goes, yeah. <laughs> I did not <laughs> notice that. Yeah, he just makes this, like, smile. He's like, yeah. And then they hug. I'm like, why was that the reaction? That's so fucking weird. <laughs> so we're capping it all off. Gigi in her voiceover says that girls are taught a lot of things when they're little. If a guy punches you, he likes you. Never try to trim your own bangs. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I literally almost cut myself some curtain bangs the other day and I was like, no, don't do this at home. Leave this to a professional. Please. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. And someday <laughs> you'll meet a guy and get your very own happy ending. We see Neil and Beth getting married on the boat, private ceremony. Gigi says, every story we're told implores us to wait for it. We see Mary cancel her MySpace account. The third act twist, the declaration of love. We see Anna singing in a lounge. I love that they never show Scarlett Johansson singing in this whole movie. No. Does Scarlett Johansson sing? We'll never find out. The exception to the rule. But sometimes we're so focused on finding our own happy ending. We don't learn how to read the signs, how to tell the ones who want us from the ones who don't, the ones who will stay from the ones who will leave. And we see Ben alone in the grocery store, buying a six pack once again, lets a woman cut in front of him. The cycle continues. And maybe this happy ending doesn't include a wonderful guy. Maybe it's you on your own, picking up the pieces and starting over freeing yourself up for something better in the future. Maybe the happy ending is just moving on. And we see Janine in a new apartment, unpacking her stuff, hanging up a brand new mirror. Gigi then once again is making a dip with the biggest wooden spoon <laughs> that I've ever seen and then only in have the tiniest one bowl. spoon. <laughs> it's yep. true. And this dip just looks like straight up sour cream. But anyways, it's not what's important here. Who did the props on this movie? Trash. I have some more. <laughs> Do better. Be better. <laughs> so he's like, come on, babe. Like, what are you doing? It's our turn next. And so she rushes over with the dip and he goes, uh, and we're led to believe that this is charades, but he just looks at a piece of paper and goes, LOL. And she's like, laugh out loud. Oh, my God. We win. <laughs> Whatever. I can't even – I can't even deal with it. Yeah, what a cheap shot. <laughs> so cheap. I'm like, did you guys just give up on writing the script at this point? And we're like, throw something together. <laughs> Who knows? But we we finish her off. She says, or maybe the happy ending is this. Mm -hmm. Knowing that through all the unreturned phone calls and broken hearts, through all the blunders and misread signals, through all of the pain and embarrassment, you never, ever gave up hope. And then we cap it off with some fake bloopers. Well, it's not bloop. It's like the interviews yeah. that we get through the film, but it's with the, the actors as their as their character. Yeah. Weird. 
we see <laughs> Beth and Neil. They're talking about what they're going to do now that they're married. Um, we see Janine talking about figuring out what she wants to do. She's like, I'm, I'm figuring myself out. Ben still hates marriage. Classic. Right? Mary and Connor are like giggly. They're in love. Anna suggests that dating is overrated and that she is going to India for a yoga retreat <laughs> for a few months. And I'm like, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Gigi and Alex <laughs> – Gigi talks about how Alex threw a party and asked her to co-host, oh, and God. this girl would not leave. And he goes, oh, yeah, she was so gross, and, like, <laughs> looks at the camera like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the end. That's a long movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we talked a lot about our thoughts throughout, so I don't have, like, too much to say. We were blabbing the entire time. Yeah. It's not my fave. It's not my fave, but I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. And I almost wish that I watched it before college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there were crumbs. There were some useful For sure. crumbs. Yeah, there were some golden nuggets in there. There are some good moments, don't get me wrong. Um, I just think as a whole, I had a lot of issues where things just weren't quite clicking into place. Mm -hmm. I think it is too long for what it is. Yeah. And we just needed to trim the fat. Mm -hmm. But I am intrigued to read the book because I kind of want to know what else is in there. And it definitely would have been something helpful to read when I was single. Like when we when we were in college, like graduating college kind of seems like the perfect time to read that book. Entering into, you know, the adult dating world. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it sits in a very mediocre place for me. That being said, I have watched it before. I'll probably watch it again, but it's not one that I gravitate towards a lot because it doesn't give me that giddy feeling that I love to get from rom-coms. I also don't laugh a lot at it. So it's missing a little bit of the rom yeah. and the com for me. Heard that. Heard that. Yeah. I was kind of watching it back now and 2024 Ugh. Mm. um it is kind of like it is a nostalgia watch but it's also like it's very star-studded like yeah ben affleck and scarlett johansson and and jennifer aniston and everything so like that was part of the enjoyment as well yeah because these people are at such different places in their careers but yeah not the funniest i really feel like the most that it elicited it elicited from me was like secondhand embarrassment but yeah i did also find that enjoyable in some sense um but it, it's not really like a movie that i'm like wow this like changed my life or like yeah. even one that i'm like i could watch this over and over so yeah kind of mid yeah not the best not the worst just Mm -hmm. Gets a bit of a meh from me. Heard that with a couple, a couple of golden moments sprinkled in. Uh, with that being said, what's your rating? I think I'm gonna go. I'm between a four and a five. Like if yeah, like, I was gonna go with a five. Yeah, five. Yeah, just that's in a very average place for me. Yeah, I can't give it too much credit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know what your favorite storyline is. Please let us know, like, if it re- really resonated with you or, like, mm-hmm. what your feelings are, if you have strong feelings about the movie. Yeah, definitely. And if you'd like to watch it in Canada, it is available on Netflix. And if you want to watch it in, uh, I was about to say the state, if you want to watch it in (laughs) America, in the US of A, then you will have to rent that off of Amazon Mm. or buy it off of Amazon. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this extra long episode for an extra long movie. And if you want even more content, you can always uh, subscribe to our Patreon and listen to our Enchanted episode. I was enchanted to meet you. Please don't. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, yeah, if you want even more, you can always follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. And you can always send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. Yes, and we will see you next week for another movie. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.